0: As hilarious as that music may sound, it is not how I want to kick off my podcast. Welcome to the Michael Aldrin Comedy Podcast. It's going to be so much fun where he makes humor of himself and the many things in New York City. Oh, and by the way, this is not the voice of Bruno. Hello, hello, hello. Happy Monday to you, if, well, you know, you may or may not be listening this to this on the Monday that it's released, or any Monday in the future, coincident, that could be a coincidence that it's not even the Monday, if you're listening to this on a Monday that I did not release this podcast, that's coincidental, because I originally meant happy Monday, for all those listeners who are listening today, when I release this podcast, Monday February the, what is it? It's the day after the Super Bowl, February the 4th. Can you believe it? We are in February, guys. Hopefully warmer weather is on the way. But for those of you who watched the Super Bowl, which I know um, I was seeing mixed results. Some people were protesting and boycotting for various reasons. Um, So uh, for those of you that... uh, Well, for everybody, whether or not you watch the Super Bowl. You know I love football. Um, And football, uh, you know, the game continues to evolve, right? The game continues to evolve uh, both at every level, really, at every level. That's a very general statement, but uh, let me—you know—there's there, there's changes that are constantly being made to the the game specifically. You know, I'll talk about the NFL every year. There's new rules, different regulations. You know, more safety protocols. A lot of people are afraid of playing football now with all these studies, but yada yada yada. You guys, not to downplay the significance of of, of that, but uh, I think you guys are well aware. I don't need to educate you on you know the risks that are involved in the game and um you know the platform that uh, Colin Kaepernick uh used to you know create a lot of um a lot of talk a lot of, a lot of uh you know things have happened over the last couple of years a lot of people don't like the NFL as much once there was a bunch of kneeling standing a lot of people are confused some people are very opinionated about it and Uh, nevertheless, yesterday was the big game, number 53, 53 years of doing the Super Bowl, uh, and Tom Brady and the Patriots have done something that has never been done in the NFL before. Uh, they, they obviously, spoiler alert, sorry if you, uh, didn't watch the Super Bowl and you've been, you know, recording it on DVR and you're like, hey guys, don't tell me, sorry, uh, but the Patriots won, okay? Uh... That's a big deal. What I can say is Tom Brady has taken it to a level that we, we have never seen before, him and Bel- Uh I don't know if some of you guys have mis- mixed re- mixed emotions toward it or you're bitter about it. You know, a couple of years ago, Tom Brady was, you know, caught deflating balls, so some of you might feel that it's tainted. I, I don't know. You know, uh, what I will say is cheating is cheating, but everyone's looking for an edge on the game uh I, I would say that deflating footballs as a as a football player i don't think that that makes a really big difference right if they were out there everybody on the team is taking steroids and they're going out and you know hurting the other players before the game or you know putting anthrax in their hotel room the other team's hotel rooms before the games then I'd say you know they they all need to go to jail for that right and and shouldn't be awarded a Super Bowl trophy. But deflating footballs, yeah, it puts a little bit of a bad taste in in one's mouth. I think uh, again, cheating is cheating. But but really, what what is that going to do? What, what, oh, we we won the Super Bowl because we deflated a couple of footballs. No, that's that's not how it works. Uh, football, you know that that actually really doesn 't matter uh, as far as like who's going to win a game in my opinion, it might make Tom Brady feel a little more comfortable because he has his own preferences, but you know uh, nevertheless, the way I feel about it is i've i've never been a huge, huge tom Brady fan, and i i don't consider myself a huge huge, but what I do have is great respect for him. I also have great re- respect for Bilichek. I like both of them more than I have and it 's not because more than I have before and, and it 's not because I'm a, a sunshine patriot, which is actually a real term that goes back to the seventeen hundreds. A sunshine patriot comes goes back to the you know, favoring the winning side. Um, you know, basically being a flip flopper back and forth between, you know, who's winners. There's there's a lot of people out there that are sunshine patriots. If you're not a true fan of, of a team or something like that, then it's it's much easier to be a sunshine patriot, right? Uh nobody likes Sunshine Patriots uh, you're either a patriot or you're not, right? What I will say is uh, for those of you that don't know, I grew up being a diehard forty ers fan. That was that dynasty and um you know everything that Joe Montana started in the early eighties with Dwight Clark, you know, Joe Montana having three Super Bowl rings. Uh, what he did with Jerry Rice, and then Steve Young inherited the torch, and then they ended up winning, uh, well, actually, Joe Montana was four Super Bowls. Excuse me. Shoot. I got my Joe Montana right here. How dare me disgrace him by saying false facts like that. Alternate facts. I apologize, Joe Montana, for those alternate facts that I just, that was fake news that I just gave you guys, and I apologize. Uh, Joe Montana, four Super Bowls in the 80s. Steve Young won in' 95, I believe it was January of 95 Super Bowl 29 uh, took the, the 49ers dynasty to five Super Bowl wins, which is uh, unprecedented that, that tied the, the you know the Steelers who had five at the time. Uh, the dynasty who has had more Super Bowls than anyone up until yesterday was the Pittsburgh Steelers, six total. Uh, and, you know, Bill Cowher, you know, took that up a notch, uh, you know, in the sometime after the year 2000 in the Steelers. And then, uh, you know, just yesterday, the Patriots matched that. So the Patriots and the Steelers are the two teams that have more Super Bowls than any other team. And the Patriots have done it all with the same quarterback. So that's never been done before because Terry Bradshaw... I believe, either had four or five rings himself. Uh, I think it was four. And I know that last time that Tom Brady won a Super Bowl, Terry Bradshaw was giving it up for for Tom Brady. You know, you could tell by the look in his eye that he admired him. And it was, it's, it's like, I think Terry Bradshaw wanted to give him head. You know, I don't, <laughs> the look in his eye was interesting, you know. But, uh I will say... That's probably the funniest thing I've said on this podcast thus far. Uh, (laughs) I apologize if that's the first time you've left. But, you know, the goal of this podcast is not to have constant punchlines. In fact, I don't have any really written-out punchlines. This is uh, free-form Talk, if you guys are joining for the first time. It is a comedy podcast. So talk about the world for a little bit, and then we we move into uh, the world of comedy, and then my world of comedy, etc., my world. So keeping with that format... Uh, Tom Brady did uh, break through the sonic boom on me. Uh, I, I remember rooting against him in the past, but still having a heart for him. I remember seeing him in a couple Super Bowls when he either lost or it appeared that he was going to lost. And as much as I, you know, kind of felt a negative, whatever you want to call it, toward him and Belichick in the past, I think that after they beat the Chiefs last week, uh, I think that Tom Brady and the Patriots made it through the sonic boom. Do you guys know what a sonic boom is? I'm making up this analogy, by the way. It's when uh, a something travels faster than the speed of sound, and it breaks through this pocket, and when it breaks through, there's a loud explosion. And basically, I, I feel that my dislikes toward Tom Brady going into the Super Bowl after they beat the Chiefs Tom Brady broke through that sonic boom that I had internally, and I think he did for a lot of people. I realized after texting several of my friends that a lot of us had the same kind of feeling toward it, which is this is the first time I'm actually kind of rooting for Tom Brady and the Patriots. This is the first time, like, this is the strongest I've ever felt about wanting to see him do it. And the closest I think that I've ever seen to somebody... As a as a player, right? Not not necessarily a dynasty. You know, you look at like, uh, you know, Alabama for example, and their football program. They have more national championships, and their coach, you know, kind of has done something on in that level of football that that is unprecedented. Alabama has 17 football national championships. Several of those come from Nick Saban, right? Uh, but as far as a player goes, the closest thing I've ever seen. Uh, to Tom Brady, which I think Tom Brady is still not on the same level, but he's, he's getting closer, is Michael Jordan. Right? I talk about Jordan sometimes because he's my favorite athlete of all time. Jordan reached a, a, a point in his career, though these are both team sports, and you know none of these guys could do it without their teammates. But as far as if you are looking at individuals and their impact, Jordan I think is the greatest athlete of all time. Tom Brady is getting closer to the level, I guess you could say, or the bar that Jordan set, right? Like there became a point where Jordan was undeniably not only the best player at the time but of all time, and he and he pushed past a sonic boom that may or may not have existed for for doubters and haters at the time. He pushed past that sonic boom that Brady has done for me. Uh, and then Jordan, it, it just became up to him to set the bar, how far he wanted. It, it became a, a one-on-one match with himself, really, uh, for Jordan. That—that's the the level of greatness that Jordan received. Is he was a fr- he became a front runner where everyone was chasing him and his greatness, and he was the one who set the bar in no man's land. Um, and it was up to him and the work that he put in to become as great as as he pushed himself to become. And I think that 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 Tom Brady has begun that path now. Tom Brady has become become that path. He has he has found that lane, I guess you could say. Uh, will he retire? It doesn't seem like it. Uh, he doesn't seem like he's incapable in any way of playing the game of continuing to play the game Um, so I don't think he'll retire I think he's got three more years in him in all honesty and that's 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 the truth I mean he can retire whenever he wants and he's had one hell of a career up to this point so if he felt like just turning off the taking his foot off the gas and just you know calling it quits and and starting, you know, spending more time with his family, then now nobody can fault him for doing it at this point. Uh, But I just don't – I don't see – he doesn't seem like that type of a guy to stop. I think that – I think when Tom Brady stops because he either gets injured uh, and realizes that it's time to call it quits or he has another – Super Bowl, and I feel like if if Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl next year too, like if he comes back and wins another Super Bowl with the Patriots next year, I don't think he'll even retire then. In all honesty, I think he ha- he'll continue to play. I, I I think he'll play for three more seasons unless he gets hurt. That's honestly what I think. And I'm glad that Edelman got the MVP. It's always great to see somebody else. You know, I'm I'm happy that Brady got the the W, but I'm happy that that Edelman got the glory of MVP. I think he deserves it. Uh, I I think it's good to spread it around. I mean, it's kind of disgusting if the Patriots win six Super Bowls and Brady is a six-time MVP. That's not fair to to spread the love out, I don't think. And and I do think it was well-deserved that Edelman got the MVP. Um, Edelman kind of reminds me of the Dwight Clark or the Ricky Proles Uh, I'll let you draw your own conclusions as to why I feel that way. Uh, but, uh, you know, Edelman looks like a Navy SEAL. You guys know that? Like, I, I noticed that. Like, to me, Edelman looks like a freaking Navy SEAL. And that, honestly, makes me very excited. He's a tough mofo, man. That dude is, is the word stacked appropriate to use right here? Uh, so... Good for him. Good for them. Uh, congratulations to New England. Good. Go- hey, we're all Patriots in a way, right? That's the most sunshine Patriot thing to possibly say. We all are American Patriots. We're not all Patriots fans. There's a lot of people out there that are, that are upset right now. Um, I don't consider myself a Patriots fan. I'm not switching sides by any means, but I am very happy for Tom Brady. I was rooting for them, and... Um, you know, I, I, I follow the Giants a lot. Not, not just because I live in New York, but I like the underdog. Uh, Eli Manning took down, you know. The the Patriots have lost, I believe, four times in the Super Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. Two times to the Giants, once to the Eagles. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, that may be it, though. It may be three three losses in the Super Bowl. They might be 6-3 and three with Brady. I think that that's actually the case. Those are the only teams I remember them losing to. I could be wrong, but nevertheless, I do love Eli Manning. I think he's got greatness in him. He's already proven that. Does he have another comeback? I'd like to see. I'd like to see him come back strong next year. I think that they're going to let him go if he if they don't have a good winning season next year or or make it to the playoffs and show promise for the future. Sadly, e- even though you know, he's done such great things in the past, uh, I am rooting for Eli. I'd like to see him him make a comeback. Uh, I'm disappointed with the 49ers organization uh, f- for several different reasons that I'm not going to go into. My heart will always be with my team, not just the winning team, because I liked the Niners when they were losing through all those years until they made that comeback uh, with Kaepernick a couple years back that lasted very momentarily. Uh, but... Uh, I, I was a diehard fan through all that, and just them moving to, you know, moving stadiums and reinventing themselves, and just a change, just constant turnover in coaches, and you know some of the decisions management and ownership made. I just, I, I, I don't need to get into all of it, but it, it leaves kind of a, just a bad taste in my mouth. You know, it's, it's a little hollow for me. You know, the soul, the soul of that team was in Candlestick and when Eddie D. DeBartolo was the coach, and, um, you know, all the way up through, um, you know, when Alex Smith and, and, and Kaepernick were there, I was, I, was, I was on board, even though I was upset with the stadium move. But nevertheless, I told you guys before, my dream was to play in the NFL. My dream was to play in the Super Bowl. Every kid, or most kids, I think, dream about that, right? I, the difference is, do you put in the work for it? And I, I put in a lot of work. I put in is I honestly worked I don't think you guys realize how hard I worked, unless you know me, to try and make that dream come true. I could not have worked harder, and in fact, I I worked too hard. I overtrained. There is a thing in training called overtraining, uh, and it took me my sophomore year of high school. I actually overtrained, and my hamstrings were messed up for like six months to a year, and I had to take a big step back to try and let everything heal. So I, I trained so hard that I actually. Pushed my body to the point that it was it was overtrained by diagnosis, uh, and needed to needed to chillax. So learned a lot through that effort. Which is, I don't know if you guys have okay. You want to talk about success? We talk about that. That's kind of a recurring thing on this podcast, and I like to share different aspects of of what I think it takes to be successful through through my own journey and through what I've I've studied and and done myself. Uh, I remember learning about this thing in college. I think it's it was an economics thing or psychology, but it's like this inverted U curve theory. I don't even think it's a theory, I think it's a fact that if you take a chart uh X and Y axis and Y axis is performance and the X axis is effort, it, it's an upside down parabola and the center of that parabola is obviously, you know, the y axis is is success. So the the top of that parabola is optimal performance and that's halfway in between maximum effort and zero effort right so that top of that parabola is the peak of the apex if you want to be the very very best you can be you have to learn how to try the right amount of hard and that's a mental that nobody can teach you that you actually have to build that in your mind you have to you know, you have to learn how to just use enough thought and effort while not overthinking it, right? You almost have to turn your brain off in some... You have to train really hard and then turn your brain off to a certain amount of autopilot so that you're not overthinking it. And that's one of the reasons why you'll see players kind of avoid the direct questions. A lot of times when reporters are... Guys, I'm getting into the psychology, so if you really... I think that this is actually the most interesting... Uh, that's my opinion... But if you guys pay attention right here, this is actually something unique that I have to offer the world, right? I could read news stories and all these things uh, just like anybody else can. But after having lived through this as an athlete, this is my perspective. Like, in my opinion, when you when you hear, you got to be objective about it, right? Uh, one of the reasons that reporters are so excited, like, oh, what does it feel like? Oh, like, they ask all these, like, like glamorous type questions questions to the athletes when they win but you'll see that the coaches and the athletes are very objective it's because they try to see it with their rational brains as much as possible without getting emotional because they you got to have a certain emotion and passion when you're playing but if you overdo that it's like a, a pilot that's navigating like you it will throw off your optimal performance so you have to like learn it's almost like meditation in a way at all times where to stay fully centered you have to not think about it too much or like get obsessed and it becomes a habit like in order to have a winning mindset you have to you have to be able it's a it's a your confidence is cultivated through trial and error to like have this like zen light state zen like state if you want to be the best you can be you cannot see anything else except success you cannot see that in your mind. Like, you have to make your mind a muscle to where the only thing you see is Super Bowl victory. And anything that veers from that, any doubts, any things like that, is a distraction that throws you off tilt, right? And that's one of the reasons why people trash talk, right? You, you know, when wide receivers are going up against D-backs, I was a wide receiver. D-backs are like, dude, you, you know, you're go-, like. A thousand different ways to talk, talk trash and try to get inside somebody's head because what they're trying to do when they talk trash is they're trying to get you to just tilt your confidence just to the left or to the right just just to like knock it off its rhythm right because your 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 confidence is this wavelength in a way you're like on a wavelength and the goal is to not detract from that you want to see some of the coolest things I've ever seen here here's what I'm gonna get into the specifics here. Um, what makes somebody great at what they do? I've seen Jeremy Macklin in practice, and it's not the physical. It's not the physical, right? Jeremy Macklin's great. He's fast. He can catch footballs. He can make great cuts. That is elementary to being a great anything, to being a great athlete. Jeremy Macklin could build, and you could see it, even the – you couldn't see it with your eyes, you could feel it. It was like a, a, a confidence, like, as the practice would go on or as the, he would be building up, um, like, it's almost like there's an equity being built up. And, like, any drop passes or, like, changes in confidence, which Jeremy never seemed to waver in his confidence, you know, are distractions from perfection, if that makes sense, the goal—it's just like Jim, Bar- uh, Vince Lombardi used to talk about. If you—if you strive perfer- for perfection, which is many people would say impossible—I don't want to set it, it limits on anything—but uh, if you strive perf- for perfection, you will achieve excellence. And the goal is to not let anything. You know what that—that you know, like the lane you're in. You know what it feels like to be in that perfect. Lame, and and we're humans, so you have to fight, you have to fight it. Some days when you're sick or all these things, you have to try to prevent being sick. It's like, it's like this never-ending vortex of of effort. And I think Jordan has been the closest we've seen to achieving perfection, right? Um, uh, and you know, Brady, Brady's on his way. So I don't know if what I'm saying is too abstract. Like nobody's here to clarify, Mike. Can you clarify what you meant there? Right, like I'm I'm talking to myself, so in my head it makes a lot of sense. Um, and I'm I'm passionate about it, right? I, so I hope I hope it makes sense to you guys. I, I, I love I love this stuff, and I try to apply it toward everything. Um, in life, you know, I, I try to apply it toward comedy. Obviously, that's that's the lane I'm in. You know, that's my football career ended. It was devastating. You guys already know that we've been through it. Uh, it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to experience was was accepting when I got hurt right I I was in that mindset of like it like achieving perfection I I I don't talk about it you know I I guess I do talk about it a lot but you know I feel like like our coach Gary Pinkle was was really like secretly betting on me I could tell in his eyes I could tell by the way he would talk to me our relationship was developing over the years and when I told him I got hurt, it was like a light switch went off in his head. It was like um, betting on horses. I feel like I was one of the horses he was betting on and paying attention to and wanting to see it. You know, I think he was rooting for me, honestly. I've told you guys that before. When my knee, when my knee went out, my world was completely shattered. Imagine this, all these things where I'm talking about these wavelengths that you're on. Um, imagine just that entire thing just, like, just exploding right? Everything that you've ever worked for and built. Um, but uh, everybody's experienced, uh, or most of us, I think, have experienced tragedy in some way, shape, or form. And, you know, the biggest test is is how you react, right? Are you going to get off the fucking ground, right? And quit feeling sorry for yourself. And, and if you have to build yourself from, from ground zero all over again, then so fucking be it, right? Like that's There's a poem, If, by Rudyard Kipling where it talks about, you know, if you can blah, 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 if you can, you know, basically build yourself up from nothing all over again after losing everything with worn-out tools, you know, all these things. And, you know, it's basically saying that you'll be the best you can be, right? Uh, And I, I, I love that poem. There's a lot of good poems. I should probably pull out my old, like, Sometime I should uh, dust off all the quotes that I used to read. Uh, you know, an obstacle to se- success is, uh, is, is a stepping stone in the, path of, in the path of the strong, right? That was a poster that I had up in my, in my college dorm room. Uh, an obstacle is a stepping stone in the path of the strong. An obstacle to success is a stepping stone in the path of the strong. How do you become strong? I told you guys before, mind, body, and spirit it's a trifecta <coughs> right um so luckily I have all these uh it's all experience right and you, you, I guess I'm trying to share it with you guys because um you may already know these things or if you can draw from it in some way shape or form like build build up son elevate just like Sean Witherspoon on my said on my podcast you know I'm here to elevate son I'm here to lift you up i'm here to lift me up i'm here to lift us up like let's 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 take it to the next level baby you know let's get out there and work right it's monday monday motivation i don't care if the super Bowl's over i'm motivated baby uh, what else though right we talked about the rams i i wasn't rooting you know i'm obviously i lived in st louis for half my life a ton of my friends are there my family like a big part of my heart is in St. Louis my heart's my heart's spread out my heart is is in this world but a huge huge part of me is St. Louis I love St. Louis I love so many of the people there Uh, and a lot of us were hurt you know when when the Rams left it's kind of you know the owner the owner you know kind of just kind of like left us behind uh, and went to LA it was like a, a bad breakup it was like a bad breakup and I know a lot of people are bitter toward that, so I know that people were uh, having a hard time seeing the Rams in the Super Bowl yesterday. That's one of the reasons I was rooting for the Patriots. Um, Goff is, uh, has done really well, though, You know, not to take anything away uh, from the Rams. Uh, it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool to know that so many of my friends have... Played in the league, you know, it's so close there. It's like I could just reach out and touch it. You know, I know some of my buddies have played for the Rams over the years, the Chiefs, you know, all these teams. I I, I could list on and on. And I talk about football a lot, so I don't want to beat a dead horse. But just know that uh, I am passionate. I'm excited. So yeah, I think I, I've talked enough about that. I'm 30 minutes, guys. I was gonna talk about the Super Bowl for five minutes, and we're 30 minutes in right now. So. For for fun, uh, I was I didn't live tweet the Super Bowl, but I did tweet a couple things during the Super Bowl. I think uh, a couple of the ones that I want to read right now to you guys. Some of these are kind of jokes or one-liners. Uh, I think you might appreciate it. Who knows? Uh, here here's a. We'll start off. My Twitter feed is nothing but football and jokes about football. Makes me so happy. Happy Super Bowl Sabbath to all. Praying emoji, football emoji. That's not funny, but it's cute. That's cute and it's heartfelt. Give it up for Michael Oldroyd on that cute, heartfelt tweet right there. Let's ramp it up to something a little bit more f- humorous, huh? Uh, I, is that the Lamb of Goff? Hashtag Super Bowl 53 at the Rams NFL. The Lamb of Goff. Do you guys get it? Do I have to explain it? Because if I do... It's not as funny, so I'm not going to explain it. Hey, here's one, right? Here's one uh, that Mike Oldroyd tweeted that I, that I thought was funny. Um, did, did anybody else see that Rams player try to waft the ball on that punt to try and keep the ball rolling? That's how you go all out. ha <laughs> ha Crying face emoji. Hashtag Super Bowl 53 at the Rams NFL. For that one, I am going to explain the joke. Because uh, it's not really a joke. It's just an astute observation by me uh on one of the punts one of the rams players was trying to like he he wafted the air to try and keep the ball moving to try to keep it rolling on the punt which is just like that's such a ridiculous like infinite effort right there like he may as well got down on all fours and started blowing on the football to try and move it forward cuz you know it's in a dome and stuff so I mean there's a chance that, that that has like a 1% chance of working to get it roll like one more uh, football turn or whatever you call it maybe a couple inches which is which is huge you know we fight for inches especially especially on that level on that intensity of that big game like I, I loved seeing that effort that made my dick hard all right I I got aroused when I saw him wafting the football to try to get out the, the extra couple inches there um, One speech, that, it actually reminded me of Al, Pac- Al Pacino's speech from Any Given Sunday. I don't know if you guys have ever seen this speech, but it's the halftime speech where he talks about football being a game of inches just like life. One half a step too early or too late, and you don't quite make it. That speech always gives me an erection. It, it gives me goosebumps. Uh It arouses me. I... Um, I'm extremely horny when I hear that speech. Uh, so, yes, uh, when the when the Rams player wafted the football, my girlfriend was like, uh, are you wanting to have sex? I was like, absolutely not. It's the Super Bowl, babe. Anyway, uh, another tweet. Let's see here. Is there any way to fast forward these commercials and get to the football? Said nobody ever. Besides Michael Oldroyd, right? Hashtag Super Bowl 53. Uh, I mean, come on, what's the deal with these commercials slowing down me watching the game? Alright. Uh next one. Hey guys, remember that time that Maroon Fives nipple popped out during the Super Bowl halftime show? Hashtag Super Bowl fifty three. Uh, I thought that was a pretty good one. If I don't you know, I, not to not to give you know, toot my own horn here, but three likes, guys. I got three likes. You know, not not what I was hoping for. I was hoping for about forty eight hundred likes, but hey Three is better than zero, because this next one got zero likes, but I still thought it wasn't that bad. Maybe people didn't get it, but I said, what kind of sling is that on Chung's arm? Hashtag Super Bowl 53 at Patriots. Chung was one of the guys who uh, I think he hurt his arm or maybe broke it, and I've never seen a sling like that before. It was just like a, like a jack's, like, arm thing you know i don't know if you guys know Jax from mortal Kombat, but it was just like this Jax thing right do i sound like the ultimate bro right now guess what i'm not a bro i was a football player son all right let's see here uh next tweet i like this one probably the last one i'll say maybe two more and then i'll and then i'll move on uh i said nfl coaches are always covering their mouths You know, when they're down on the football field calling plays so that we can't see their lips during play calling, right? And my tweet is, you know, I don't know why they don't just wear Scorpion's mask from Mortal Kombat. Hashtag Super Bowl 53, right? Like, why why don't they just wear that mask or like Bane's mask from Batman just so that nobody can see what they're saying but their, their headset's in. Even better if there's like a little headset piece coming in front of the mask. You know, like, make sure that it's still audible, right? Like, it doesn't cover up the sound. But that way, you know, the coaches can speak freely without having to use, you know, to cover up their mouth. I think that that was a really good tweet. And I give it up for me on that one. All right. What else? Tom Brady and every reporter reporter on earth right now. Oh, I tweeted this after the game with a gif of a woman throwing out food to, like, 180,000 cats. Uh, that are swarming her. I don't know if you guys saw the end of the game, but one of the ladies that was, I guess, designated the opportunity to interview Tom Brady post Super Bowl was getting pushed out. I don't know. It like looked like a mob. Like it was like kind of cut throat there. I felt sorry for her, but I was also laughing at the same time because it was like, you know, lo- I wasn't laughing at her. You know, like all right, I don't need to explain myself to you guys. All right, it was funny. All right, it was funny. To watch her trying to chase Tom Brady around, and it didn't seem like he wanted it. Like he didn't give a fuck. Like he was like, "Yo, I won the Super Bowl. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna do me right now." I'm, I'm. Gonna, has any Excuse me, guys. Can, can I? You know, it was, it was pretty funny. But, uh, and I think that he. I mean, when, you, when you win that, like, yeah, you got to be respectful. Like, he did say, "Excuse me," which was cool. Uh, I don't think people would have appreciated it if he spoke his mind. Can can you guys get the fuck out of the way? No, I don't know if that's what he was actually thinking, but it was definitely probably annoying that he, you know, he was. That's an overwhelming moment, and I've experienced that not in Tom Brady's position on that magnitude, but when we won the Cotton Bowl, one of my greatest memories. Honestly, like it's like um, when you beat the game Zelda. I don't know if you guys have ever played Zelda, but like you finally get to the very end after weeks of doing that on Nintendo 64, and you, like, reap that big W, well, we had that glory-filled moment when we won the Cotton Bowl, and we ran onto the field after the game, and confetti's flying everywhere, and we're holding up this big trophy, I, I didn't get the center of that, like, of that circle, right, I was kind of, uh, you know, I didn't make it to the very center, it wouldn't have been appropriate, because I wasn't a star, you know, who made plays on the, on the field during the game, but, you know, like, I remember Ruck holding up the trophy, And a bunch of us. And just camera flashes. Like we just were surrounded by uh, photographers. And it was the first time I had ever experienced that. I just started... I heard flashes going off everywhere. And it was overwhelmingly awesome. It was so cool. Honestly. Like I'll never forget that. And it was just... It was so cool. We ended the season fourth in the nation that year. And it felt... It was our own. It was our own Super Bowl. The closest thing that we we were able to get to that, you know. And our ring. I still got the ring, of course. Uh, I wore that on stage a couple weeks ago when I did the SEC comedy show. I, I never wear that anymore unless I'm in my house. Sometimes I wear it when no one's around, right? Because it's it's just my own, you know, thing. Sometimes when I'm working on comedy and I'm, I'm typing out jokes and I put that ring on to type and it motivates me, you know. It reminds me of of that glory and then, uh, and what I had to do to become successful. It's a reminder of what hard work does, I guess you could say, right? What it reminds me. And it's a reminder that if you work your ass off and you're smart and you do all the right things and you follow that inverted U curve and all these things, you can achieve great success, you know? And, uh, I'm always, I'm like, damn it. Like this ring is heavy. Like, it's hard to write right now. <laughs> my ring is getting in the way of this script. What in the heaven? But uh, nevertheless, that's that's a little bit about that. And uh, and then and then I, I will say after that after we we got the the trophy and we're out on the field and all the coaches like the stadium was still full of a ton of people and we went around and like did victory laps and I remember my dad was at that game he drove all the way down. Uh, you know, from St. Louis to to come to the game. I got him a ticket to the game, and he said that he he, he let me know that that meant a tremendous amount to him, and it meant a tremendous amount to me that he he made it to the game, you know. And uh, I remember I was running around high-fiving people in the stands with the rest of our team, and uh, there was one dude that I saw in the front row that I recognized from Eureka High School. Like, we went to, like, we were, I was a crazy little kid in middle school, and I remember we were at some random party in middle school, and I kept on, like, we had this, like, dumb, funny, like, bromance, and and then I didn't see him for, like, 20 years, and I saw him in the front row (laughs) at the Cotton Bowl, and we were like, dude, I know you! Yeah! So, that was, uh, that was pretty fun, but... Yeah, I guess, uh, I guess it's therapeutic for me to talk about football. I realized over the years, and I probably said this, forgive me if I'm a broken record. Maybe you guys don't even care hearing it again. You're, maybe you just like hearing the, sooth- the soothing part. But, um, you know, when, when it all ended, I, I couldn't watch football for so long. But at this point, it's like uh, if, you hurt, if you break your femur... It's like the worst injury you can su- sustain physically, you know, aside from a broken heart. Oh. But like uh, you break your femur and it takes a long time to heal and you know you wear a cast and then you got to go through rehab and then at some point you might build back up to being as strong as you were and having it all equal out and you may even become stronger from from the thing. You may even work your ass off from From something you break to become stronger than you ever were before but you know that takes a long time and I think I'm I think I'm at that point you know like when when my football career ended I was yeah I I really was devastated I couldn't watch football for so long it was like I needed to be in a cast you know I needed to be in a, a cast from football from watching football from being aware of football for years uh, and I know Caleb Medley. We talked about it, and it was the same for him. But I, I can finally watch it and feel healthy about it again. And I realize that it's it's a it's a huge part of me. And denying it would be insensitive to myself. It would be ignorant. Nah. It, yeah. Those are those are right words. But but that's not the, the 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 best word I could use. Is it would be not being true to myself. And I hear so many people that hate football and, like, talk about especially in my scene in the arts and comedy. Like, so many people are like, ooh, yeah, go football. Like, they don't even, you know, it's like... And I got to hear from... Like, I feel judged all the time from the entertainment business. Most most of the time, not all the time. But there's so many people in the entertainment business that I feel like I can't, like, express my passion for football without being judged, you know? It's kind of (laughs) sad. I'm not asking for your sympathy, but you know, the best version of myself comes out when, when I am truly passionate and, and the core of who I am loves football. I love to make people laugh and I love football and that, that's truly like, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's the Lord's fingertips in me there. That sounds really creepy. Uh, but what I mean is, um, I think you guys know what I mean. I don't need to explain that. That's, 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 that's what God has planted in my heart, you know, is, is football. Um, I'm like Rudy if, if, you know, if Rudy was played like Nicholas, if, if Rudy was played by Nicholas Cage, that movie would be about me. <laughs> All right. Enough about that. I think that's a good stopping point for the football stuff. Um... Well, let's let's talk a little bit more. Missouri football was in the news recently. I don't know if you guys heard about this, but there was some scandal, I guess, with a tutor that was helping some of these athletes. Uh, there was some cheating or something like that connected to it. Nevertheless, there's a one-year postseason ban of scholarships, which is unbelievable. Like, that is that is devastating. I've been really excited about this next football season for Mizzou and Odom and the Tigers. Uh and you know hearing i i really hope that there's some sort of an appeal process for this because that is like just it's like they're trying to cut out the guts of of our football program by putting some type of a ban on scholarships that's absolutely asinine not fair i don't even know exactly what the whole scandal was but i don't know of anything that that would like there's other ways of punishment that's like that's like um if you—that's like if you go and you steal something from the store, and then you, in court, they're like, okay, the punishment for that is we're just gonna cut off your balls and remove one of your kidneys. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I don't even—I don't even know enough. All I know is that's unbelievably extreme. So, um, guess what? No matter what, I, I believe in Odom, and if we have to go out there and play some football with no balls in one kidney. We're going to fight our asses off, and uh, I believe that we'll be successful no matter what. Uh, So that's my thought on that. Uh, Okay, so now that we're exactly, holy crap, 44 minutes in, I feel like today's podcast might last three hours, and if that's the case, I apologize, but I'm feeling motivated to just tear it up for you, and I don't know anybody that's going to listen to this, but I am making moves. You know, when P. Diddy talks about making moves, um, he's like, I'm not focused on, like, watching. He's like, my focus is on making moves, right? And I think that's what it's got to be about when you're wanting to be successful and when you're uh, uh, pursuing. That's the way it was when we were, you know, very successful on the football team. Like, you can't – you got to be making moves, rather than sitting around and and appreciating your own performance. If there's something you can learn from your performance, great. But you're not sitting around, like, basking in success that you have. I think it's good to reward yourself and appreciate, but there's too much to be building to sit around. Uh, I talked about my buddy, one of my buddies on the football team, his name was Mike Prince. He went to the same high school as Chase Daniel. And Chase Daniel came from a very successful high school, uh i think it was south lake Carroll is the name of them but mike prince was the other person who went to school with chase i think mike was a year younger than chase but he talked to me i think he was a uh, an offensive tackle mike prince and one of my buddies um and he, we, we talked about success we've talked about he's the guy who told me about the the Roman Emperor thing. Remember when I told you this one guy's job was designated specifically just to remind the emperors that they're mortal? Well, we were ta- we we used to talk about success and like the difference between good and evil, and like all these things. Um, uh, and and we had a debate on some good and evil shit, which maybe I'll talk about another time. But he's a he's a good dude. I love Mike Prince, and we used to. He, um, he told me and I agree with this that when you're when you're when you reach a certain level of success you can't even you can't this is what I was saying earlier you can't even really stop to appreciate it right because you're it's like you're you're in a machine that's in motion and anything that takes away from that motion is going to stop the machine from running as smoothly as possible so you can't even like i can dissect the psychology now as a 32 year old person looking back But when you're in it, you can't stop and like admire the things that you're doing. Like that, only outsiders can do that, right? When you're in it, your mind has to be focused on the next step, right? It's always the moving forward part rather than looking backwards. The only time you should ever look sideways or backwards when you're wanting to be successful is to learn and so that you can apply something specific toward what's next right so you know we talked about that it's like you work so hard for this success and you can't even really enjoy it because you're so focused on the next step of being successful that's why you see some people like Tom Brady who are consumed with this where I would I mean I'm sure I hope he celebrates and pats himself on the back after the Super Bowl but I wouldn't be surprised if he's working out already like thinking about next year I remember hearing about Emmett Smith who was like benching the day after the super one of the Super Bowls that they won, already focused on next year, right? It's like it's like a, a mindset of of always gr- if you're not growing you're dying, right? That's kind of like so. Nevertheless, uh, I did want to share that. I thought that that was pretty cool. Going back to the good and evil thing, I think that you guys may be intrigued by that because that. My buddy, we we, we talked, I I was like, I think if somebody's too concerned with themselves or, like, selfishness, it's kind of like a path to the the dark side. And he's like, I don't think that's necessarily true. What do you guys think? Um, I think that there's a danger into being too self-absorbed, right? Um, Too much selfishness, I think, is kind of a a path in a way. Um, You know, he didn't seem to think that that was that was the case maybe if him and i maybe i should have him on a podcast and we can we can reshuffle the deck on that you know maybe we can reshuffle the deck and see what our thoughts are on that whole good evil debate good versus evil debate huh hey all right um let's see here guys Oh, so let's talk about what's going on in the world outside of the Super Bowl. Are you guys good? Do you see any Super Bowl commercials that you liked? Anything? Is there anything else you wanted to talk about regarding the Super Bowl? Okay. Well, since you mentioned it, let's talk about the commercials for a second. Uh, the Amazon commercial I thought was pretty cool with the Echo Dot and the Broad City chicks. My girlfriend loves Broad City. Uh I've watched it with her a couple of times. She'll be watching New York. And she'll be like, "New York is so cool." Like that's I love I'm not making fun of her. I think it's so cute. She's like passionate. Um that's like her phrase. She'll scream out, "Oh, cool." Like when she's passionate, she's got that like, that that kid voice. It's it's very cute. Uh but she missed her favorite Broad City chicks in that commercial. It was fun, you know. It was the one where they talked about using the the, the dot in different places, uh, and and how it didn't go well. Uh, I think Harrison Ford was in it at one point, and his dog was ordering like a bunch of food on Amazon through Echo Dot, and apparently the dot can recognize dog language. That was the joke. Um, so so that one was fun. I thought the the T-Mobile Google Eggplant Parmesan commercial was really funny, where the dad was texting the daughter, thinking it was Google. And she was like, Dad, no, you're texting me. I'm not Google. This is not Google right here. And then he, like, kept trying. So she, like, responded and said, here, here you go. And she sent him. She Googled it herself in the meantime and sent him. That was really funny to me. That was creative. Um, Yeah, I would say those were my favorite commercials. I didn't even watch really the – I didn't watch many of the commercials. I'm curious to see that Gladiator commercial with Peyton Manning. I'm going to – I saw that one was like before the game, and it it captivated me, but I was cleaning right, so I couldn't really fully focus. I want to make sure the apartment was clean for the Super Bowl with my chick and uh, you know unfortunately i haven't seen that one yet, so I, I do want to watch it. I love that I, i've been it's in Rome The Gladiator's one of my favorite movies. The Gladiator reminds me of you know. That that's the way you that's the way you you wanna live. That's the way you wanna that mindset, not not hurting other people physically, but his mindset of of being resilient and strong and doing the right things. Maximus is the man. I don't need to break down why. I think hopefully it's self-explanatory, but Maximus is the freaking man. And uh, I remember when I went to Rome, I got to get down there uh, with my buddy James William John Bariolis, whose birthday is today. Happy birthday, Jimmy! Do you remember when we went to Rome, dude? And we got down in the freaking Colosseum? And I was making you take like 100 selfies of me and pretending that I was Maximus? Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Uh, do you remember when I, when I took a picture of me with one thumb up and one thumb down just to confuse everybody? It's like, is, is he pretending to be like an emperor, right? The emperor? Joaquin Phoenix right now with t- a thumb up and thumb down? What's this guy's deal? uh nah but yeah that's that's that uh some random facts like I said that's that's going on right now this this is now i 'm finally getting to the worldly updates after almost an hour of just talking about football and the Super Bowl. I can finally talk about what else is going on in the world uh i don 't know if you guys are going to watch the State of the Union address tomorrow night i don 't really have anything to say that 's just a piece of news for you um Here's a random thing. Disneyland closes Magic Mountain recently after somebody jumps off mid-ride. I'd like to know more on that story. I'm going to Google that later. But somebody jumped off mid-ride. I want to know if that was intentional, if the person is okay. What was the, the thought process behind jumping off in space? Like, was he on drugs? Was he trying to kill himself? Like... Um, what's what's the current state? Was it a mental health issue? Right? Uh, these are good questions to ask ourselves. I'm very stimulated right now because of the Super Bowl. So my mind is very dissectory. I don't know if that's a word, but you know what I mean. All right. Another piece of information and news. Ben Affleck not going to do Batman next time around. He's not going to do Batman. I, I'm... Didn't say why, but I have a feeling it's because he was discouraged that people didn't like his version of Batman. There was a lot of people that you know, just didn't get very much love, and I think he was kind of devastated. I think he was extremely excited to play Batman, and I have a feeling that he, he's just kind of thrown in the towel thinking that it's not going to work. You know, this version of Batman isn't going to work, and I'm going to move on and hand the torch off. But, but to that I say this. To that I say this, Bruce alright? I'm gonna quote the words of your father here and say, Bruce, why do we fall down? The answer is to pick ourselves back up again, right? Michael, why do we fall down? Why, why do we break our knee and end our football career and everything that we've worked for in love? And the answer is to pick ourselves back up again, right? We need to learn to pick ourselves back up again Michael why do we break our heart you know why do we why do we get heartbroken and yeah yeah uh, without getting all crazy on you guys you know like my heartbreak I've been through two heartbreaks and Maybe that's the advice that I, I needed to hear at some point. Why do, we, why do we fall down? Why do we get our heart broken? It's to learn to pick ourselves back up again. And luckily, I feel that I have, you know, and, and I'm strong now, you know. So I say those things not to brag, but I don't know what... There's so many people that listen to this podcast. I don't know what phase you are at or what you've been through or what you're going through right now, but I know that life is oftentimes very challenging. So I guess apply that piece of knowledge, right? We we fall down to to learn to pick ourselves back up again. I believe that. I'm going to quote The Dark Knight, one of my favorite movies. Uh, Actually, that's Batman Begins, sorry. So apply that lesson, Ben Affleck, if you're feeling bad. Don't don't call it quits just yet, but if you've made the decision, then so be it. Um, I'd be happy to take up the mantle for you if... uh, hollywood is interested or listening i'd be more than happy to play either bruce wayne or cal l speaking of cal l i do want to talk about uh christopher reeve for a quick second and henry cavill is passing on the torch of superman i will say that i thought the trailer was much better than the movie for the henry cavill's superman i think he was the perfect perfect for the part i actually don't like the writing I'm sorry. I I thought the special effects were awesome. The suit was awesome. The visuals were awesome. I didn't like the writing. I didn't like the the villain that he was against or the spaceship thing. Like That that was all a little too weird and out there for me. Alien stuff is... I mean, I guess Superman is an alien. Um, But I did want to talk about Christopher Reeve's version of Superman. Uh, I love Christopher Reeve. He was... When I was a kid, he was one of my heroes. I I had a lot, you know, we all go through different phases of of things that we like. I liked Michael Jackson a lot. I used to dance like him and entertain our family and guests. My dad would play music and I would dance like MJ. Uh, Obviously, later, when I learned about Michael Jordan, Jerry Rice, you know, football players, I I would draw a lot too, right? I would draw like Michael Jackson. I would draw... um, Jerry right I, I, I used to draw Jesus, too. I used to draw Jesus when I was a kid. Um, I used to draw him on the cross, you know. Uh, but I used to draw all kinds. I used to draw pictures of me playing football, wearing, like, number 80 for the 49ers. Uh, my brother's a great artist, and I think that's kind of where the inspiration for that came. But uh, Superman, right? I used to draw Superman. I, wrote, I had my—I asked my uncle to draw me a picture of Superman once and then I threw a fit afterwards because the curl wasn't right. Uh, you know, Superman's got to have the right curl, guys. All right? But Christopher Reeves, I'm talking about the hair curl, right, in front. And uh, I was reading an article recently where his daughter was talking about Christopher and his parents had a foundation made. And, it's for, you know, there's a lot of money that they've raised and a lot of efforts that they've put toward spinal cord injuries and being able to overcome those and, you know, scientific uh, advancements to help people who have been in Christopher Reeve's shoes to help them be able to walk again and and to overcome spinal cord injuries injuries that, that, that hurt you. And I don't know, you know, if you think about Christopher Reeve, Christopher Reeve's, is is kind of like a Christ-like figure, you know, both on screen and in the battle that he had to fight. You know, he he kind of went through a terrible ending, you know, of his life. You know, basically just torturous. If you really think about it, just torturous to be in in Christopher Reeve's shoes. Like when I see pictures of him, it it, it pains my heart to see, you know, what him and his family had to go through after that injury. Um, you know, after being Superman and being on top of the world, but, you know, I think it's, I think it's for the betterment, uh, you know, and I hope that we, we all are aware of, of that and, and, and the advancements that we need and want to make in science to try and prevent, you know, when, when a tragedy like that happens, you know, to try and help people to, to be able to overcome that, you know, but. Yeah, you know, I, I wanted to give him a shout out because I, I like that his daughter is trying to, you know, keep his memory alive and I'm 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 adding to that by talking about him for a second. He went to Juilliard, you know, here at acting school here in New York. He was friends with Robin Williams. They were the two big names that came out of Juilliard at that time in acting. And uh who both who I really, really love, in all honesty, I love them. Um I think that they brought us so much, brought me and my family so much joy and awe and amazement on, on film. And, um, you know, it's, um, I think we should, we, we can't forget, um, I guess the joy that, that people like them brought us. Uh, and you know, Superman, nobody's ever played Superman like Christopher Reeve. Nobody's ever, nobody's ever done that. I wanted to be Superman when I was a kid. That was one of the, you know, I loved the. I talked about football, you know, Jim Carrey was one of them. Christopher Reeve's Superman was one of them. I didn't like Batman that much as a kid, but, um, later I really, uh, I really, I fell in love with the newer version of Batman, you know, Christian Bale's version. Uh, I, I, I because I realized, you know, I, I physically can't be Superman. You know, those, those powers that he has are, are not human, right? Um. His heart, you know, we, can all, we all identify with that peace that he has. You know, we can try to adopt the good that Superman has in his heart or try to try to be as best as we can. Um, but uh, Batman is, is human, right? So uh, a lot of people, boys, you know, growing up, there's usually a, is it Superman or Batman? Who's better, right? For me, it was always Superman growing up. Later in life, I liked Christian male's version of Batman. So it was more appropriate for me as an adult. Um, and I still I love Christian Bale's version of Batman to this day. Uh if I was a multi-billionaire, I would secretly be Batman. So if if I ever become super super rich and you hear of a vigilante, um maybe you can put two and two together at that time. Uh that's uh that's a secret that I just told to the world. Don't tell anyone, okay? All right. Uh but yeah, Kell L, right? Kell L means God in, uh, in, uh, I think it's Hebrew, Cal L. um, so, yeah, uh, you know, that was, that was kind of what Superman was, uh, to us, like, in a, in a, in a animated version, you know, he, he kind of filled that role in some ways, so, um, yeah, let's give it up for Christopher Reeves, alright, let's, Let's uh, let's talk about a couple other things. We talked about some of the things going on in the news. Um, there was a fat shamer kicked off a flight recently. Okay, what? Uh, that's great that someone... I mean, you shouldn't really be a fat shamer. I read part of the article there, and it, I guess this person was frustrated because they thought someone was taking up too much space, so they fat shamed this person and then was removed from the flight for fat shaming, which I think is quite humorous, to be frank. I can understand expressing... It's like, we have to learn how to, like, not just let our emotions always just dictate everything, right? Trump does that. I think he just speaks his mind. Like, there is a time to have a filter. uh, Especially if you're the President of the United States, uh, in my opinion, right? What would Christopher Reeves say about uh, (laughs) Donald Trump if he lived today? What would Superman... WWSD, right? What would Superman do uh, about Donald Trump uh, and the wall? Superman would build the wall if, it w- if he felt it was needed and not have to use $5 billion of taxpayers' money. But I think Superman is much more concerned about other things aside from building the wall. I, I don't know if he would think it was necessary. I think he would be concerned about the safety, yes, but is that the, the right way? Who knows? all right anyway um t-mobile all right so we talked about the fat chamber getting kicked off the flight very humorous uh yeah i guess my point was you got to learn how to bottle your emotion and there is a way to successfully like get out of that situation if you're frustrated because somebody on on the flight next to you is is taking up your space maybe because they are obese you know, the way to go about that is to maybe go back and talk to the talk to somebody like a flight attendant. Uh maybe not right in front of that passenger cuz that then you're kind of shaming them and that's not that's not appropriate, but I think expressing that you don't feel like you're able to get your have your space that you've paid for, is there anyone you could switch with? Uh, it may not work, but you're not going to get kicked off the flight for for fat shaming somebody and you're not going to be a, an asshole, right? So don't be an asshole. I guess is is part of the part of the thing. There is a time to be an asshole, I think though. Not that time, but you you don't want to be uh you can't allow yourself to be taken advantage of. There is we all if you're a nice person, you have to learn how to push back. You can push back respectfully and there is a time when you do have to take off the gloves and fight. Right? I don't think you should be a fighter uh by nature where you're always just wanting to fist fight people and solve your problems physically. That's not, you know, that's not it's not a high level of, of, of operating, but I do think that there comes a point in time where if you need to resort to that, you got to step the fuck up and do it, you know, in all honesty, right? Um, if you're out with a lady and somebody's harassing your girl, um, and she needs physical help, um, either the dude's grabbing her butt or he's disrespecting her and you or just her and she can't she doesn't have the ability to physically protect herself or himself if you're gay, right? If you're with your boyfriend and uh, say you're a bigger guy and a stronger guy than your, than your male counterpart there and another dude comes up and is disrespecting your boyfriend or a woman, maybe a woman is coming up and grabbing his butt, like a, uh, an over, overly strong woman, uh, then you're going to need to step in. I, I think in that case you can't really physically like have an altercation with the woman, uh, unless she identifies as a man. In that case, if she identifies as a man and she's sexually harassing your tiny gay boyfriend, I think you have the right to uppercut her. Uppercut him, I should say, since he, she identifies as a man. Um, so, that's some deep stuff right there, huh? Eh? Hey. Eh. Speaking of that, uh, the Girl Scouts, uh, I guess somebody... Did you guys hear about, it? I, I I guess there was a, a Girl Scout, she, uh, she is joining the Boy Scouts. I don't think she identifies as a boy, but she for some reason wants to be a Boy Scout and they're not letting her and she's like uh, protesting it or something and I'm confused by that because there's Girl Scouts, so, you know, not sure what the deal is there or why she's, uh, protesting, uh, there's Girl Girl Scouts for Girls, Boy Scouts for Boys. Now, if she identifies as a boy, then that, you know, that brings up uh, a different issue, and I, I don't know the answer to that, uh, quite frankly, but, um, what I can say is, um, yeah that's that's an interesting thing isn't it? i i mean i I'm all for equal rights don't don't get me wrong there I, I need to clarify that right now i'm- equal, I'm for equal rights uh in every way uh, so so i don't I don't even know how how that would be handled, but I do know it needs to be done in a way that's that's fair and respectful right but for a girl that identifies as a girl who just wants to bo- uh, join the Boy Scouts when there is a Girl Scouts, that's like saying i'm a woman I want to play in the nBA right uh they have a wnba um i don't know it's it, it doesn't it doesn't really make sense to me like why someone want to do that maybe just to prove that they can i don't know but i i can just imagine that girl has like a group of friends that's trying to join the boy scouts that are like you are so brave you are so brave i applaud you i am inspired it's like Stop! Stop encouraging her. If you're doing that, if for some reason you're one of her friends listening to this podcast right now and you're encouraging her to join the Boy Scouts and you're telling her she's brave, direct that positive energy elsewhere. Direct that positive energy elsewhere. Like you can apply it toward her, but maybe, maybe that's not the right thing to to reinforce. Right? The the, the bravery, yeah, you could reinforce that, but but maybe direct that toward a different. A different thing. I played football with. Uh, there was a girl that wanted to play football with the guys. I started playing tackle football when I was eight years old. And she wore a ble- a breastplate, right? And and guys, generally speaking, are just physically like we're st- physically stronger in the way that you know we lift more weights. We're faster once the puberty puberty happens. Not always, but uh, generally speaking, right? If you took the average guy and the average girl and you put them together, it's, I don't think it's safe for a woman. Can a woman do it? Uh, yeah, I, I saw that there was a woman in the Super Bowl that got a scholarship uh, to play with men's football, which I applaud her. I think that's you got to be a tough, tough person to play, whether you're a man or a woman to play football. Uh, this girl that played with us, she she couldn't take it. You know, it was too physical, too physical for her, and and I I don't blame her for quitting. I I wouldn't have tried to play with the boys. Because it, it is already hard enough when you already have the physical attributes, the the, the amount of required toughness. Um, you know, it's like playing with the older kids, I guess you could say. Like, I used to play with the older kids. Did I ever tell you guys I would play tackle football in the in the neighborhood? I told you guys last week that my dad would throw passes, but sometimes the older, like the high school kids when I was like 7, 8 years old, they would play tackle football in the in the yards, in the grass sometimes. And that's one of the things that made me tough because they would bully me. Uh, they knew I had a, a, a nice football. And they'd be like, hey, Mike, do you want to play football? And I'd say, yeah, uh, hang on a second. right? I'd get my football. And they, they'd be like, can we just borrow it until you're ready? Because right? I was like, I'm helping my dad wash the car. I was like, okay. So I, I remember this one specific time where I went up there you know, where the, where these high school kids were playing. And I was like, Hey man, uh, whose team am I on? Right. And they're like, well, we're in the middle of the game right now. Just wait till halftime. I'm like, okay. And several minutes went by. I'm like, when, when's halftime? And they're like, Oh, soon. Right. And then several more minutes went by. I was like, Hey man, I'm, can I just jump in? And they're like, Oh, we're done. Right. So they set the ball on the ground and they went inside and you know, they used to, they used to bully me, and when we would play tackle football i they would they would actually um wow i'm i'm having an epiphany right now you guys want to talk about okay have you ever heard the term the game smear the queer um they uh that's sad right naturally it's it's That's not uh, respectful toward gay people. You know, I don't think my brother would appreciate that, whatever. Um, But that was the name of the game that they called it. I I, I didn't even know what that meant at the time. That is a game where it's basically like a free-for-all version of tackle football. Whoever has the football, they try to, like, shed everybody off, and everyone tries to tackle them and destroy them. And I would play that game with them, and they would give me the ball just so that they could tackle me, Right. And I would just get the shit kicked out of me. But I could take it. I never quit. I never cried about it. I never showed pain. I would prove to them that I'm a tough-ass motherfucker. And I could take it. And, you know, I guess when I started to... They were never... See, the thing about bullies... The thing about bullies is they don't have real balls. Like, they have fake goat nuts (laughs) like the bullies don't end up being successful unless they change their ways right because bullies are insecure about something so they're taking it out on someone else that's like a weaker version of themselves somebody who is truly strong or within themselves like christopher reeves being superman is not a bully right he would stop the bullies or like advocate toward not being a bully and I got bullied by these high school kids. It made me tougher, right? But when I started to do well and start to play football for a legitimate squad, the West County Spartans, we were respected, right? We had our chance. We, we, we had cheerleaders. We, one of the coaches for the West County Spartans uh, has a Super Bowl ring, right? It was very competitive. We had a bowl game, a playoff, everything. I mean, we, were, we started young, And it was full contact. I was tryouts, everything. Right, I got cut my first year, and I remember when I started playing football for that team in third grade. These high school bullies started to respect me, and as time went on, they were like, "Wow, Mike's really doing it. Like, this is not backyard football. This is this is glory-filled, sacrifice-ridden football." And, uh, yeah, I'm forever a Spartan, right? That's probably one of the reasons I love that movie 300 so much with King Leonidas um, because, uh, you know, I, I feel that that was my first football team and we had all these chants, you know. Uh, we, we were we were some tough motherfuckers for kids. We used to run up these hills until we basically threw up. We were running so hard. I still remember the pain in my chest at that time. Um I remember uh I was a long distance runner and um one time uh, remember remember I told you guys about coach Porter, coach James Porter, Jimmy Porter and how he cried at the end of the banquet. Um yeah. So Yeah, anyway, yeah, I I'm just kind of you know I'm sp- I'm spilling out all my all my memories here. I know it's a little Maybe it's a little self-indulged, and I apologize that if it's too self-absorbed. I guess I'm just getting passionate. I'm just kind of like an unfiltered thing as I think back on some of these memories. Um, we never won the Turkey Bowl, and that was kind of – that was a really big deal. I always I always wanted to win a Turkey Bowl, but we never won that bowl, uh, but we – yeah, by the way, Jimmy never Jimmy Porter, his son, never accepted my friend request. I don't know if he never uses Facebook or what. He looks like he's uh, turned out to be a, a badass. You know, I, I was creeping on some of his pictures. He looks like one of those dudes that uh, you don't want to mess with. But um, I'll never forget that those days, California, when you tell it, when you tell it, tell the story, tell the story, tell the whole damn world, this is Spartan territory, that was one of the things that we used to, to sing out uh, as we were walking down to play a game, um, yeah, um, wow, crazy stuff, man, Thinking back on all these years of football. Yeah, it's it's, it's insane. But anyway, what else? Um, talked about the fat shamer getting kicked off the fly. Kevin Hart was getting hated on for uh, supporting Jesse Smolin. I guess people think he's a hypocrite now because he's trying to show empathy for somebody who was um, a victim of, of a hate crime toward you know, the LGBT community, I guess Jesse is part of that, uh, group and Kevin Hart was showing empathy and, and love toward that. And people were hating him for it. And it's like, come on, like get off, stop. Like if you, if, if you are, I, I challenge you, if you're a listener of this podcast, if you're a hater, I, I recommend taking the higher road. Like, first of all, thank you for like, maybe no haters listen to my podcast. Maybe maybe people that gravitate toward this wouldn't... wouldn't do that. Maybe they would. And either way, you know, I encourage you, guys, like, don't be a hater, man. Like, it's like, it's like no matter what some of these celebrities do, people are just going to judge them and, like, try to tear them down. He's doing a good thing by supporting him there. Stop. Like, get off his nuts. You know what I mean? Like... That's a good thing that Kevin Hart is supporting him. Um, and it, you know, I, I regardless of my politics, I'm not going to get into it. But it's, same thing with like with tr- when when Trump does do a good thing, you know, like everything that Trump does is not evil, right? I don't think so, at least. Like I think he does a lot of bad shit, and I, I'm not a Trump support, supporter. I want to see whoever's in office do well because they're in office, right? I, I want our president, whoever it is to, to lead our country to a better place or get, get the fuck out of the office. One of the two, no in between, right? Like, I don't want him to do bad. So I can be like, I told you, right. That's bullshit. That is a childlike attitude. Um, and you know, when, when he, when he, like when Trump, you know, basically like backed down on his negotiations for the wall, Which I think was good that he backed down. People were calling him, like, soft for backing down. It's like, the same people that were mad that he, like, was putting up a fight were mad that he backed down. They were hating on him for backing down. It's like, he did what you wanted him to do there. Like, he did, in my opinion, the right thing by reopening the government. Hopefully we don't have to go into another shitty, like, government shutdown. But he was the bigger man for a second by backing down, not bigger than, like, he, sh- <laughs> I don't think he should have done it at all, but fuck, like, like, stop hating on him for doing the thing that you wanted him to do. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, have some positive reinforcement when people do a good thing, right? Like, reward positive behavior and don't be a hater. I don't know no matter what you are you're going to it's only like going to tear your tear yourself inside apart to be a hater. You know what I mean? Like All right, love you. Love you. If you if you are a hater, I love you. And if you're not, I love you too. Uh uh I think that that's um uh, that's the only way, man. You know, we can't divide as a country. We cannot divide we have to we have to try to find the things that we have in common and build on those and 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 we're always going to have differing opinions in, in a lot of ways but you can't let that just you can't let a differing opinion separate like you from a person right like if it's a different political opinion religious anything those are deep things right but the more and more we talk about them openly because social media is, is just gone crazy with people just exposing these things like you can't cut somebody off because they have a different opinion than you if anything talk about it like make sure you have the right context before you judge them because um, what it may appear to be fundamentally different but but maybe fundamentally you have the same opinion and they just don't have all the facts on something like just don't try to find common ground. We cannot allow ourselves to be divided by anything, by race, by politics, by religious beliefs. Like we cannot allow these differences to divide us because it will make us weaker as a country and as a world. Uh, we have to find the common grounds. We have to try to build on the common things. If you don't support Colin Kaepernick for kneeling, you're not automatically a racist, and people need to stop making it so black and white. People need to stop making things so binary, right? Like, if you're a Trump supporter, it doesn't mean you're automatically racist, and and those are two examples. If you if you if you if you support Colin Kaepernick, it doesn't make you automatically like. The King of Civil Rights, you know it's possible that Dr. Martin Luther King may not if he lived right now it's possible that he wouldn't support the way colin Kaepernick did it it's possible it doesn't mean that he would have any less of a of a um uh, it doesn't mean that he w- would like there it's not always the The specific issue that makes something racist or Um, not—you have to have all the facts before you use a specific case to be a vehicle for something. Um, I I would love to know what Martin, Doctor Martin Luther King's opinion would be on on Kaepernick. Um, You know, truthfully, because what 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 pains me, what pains me. I'm I'm speaking, I'm ranting right now. Like, it pains me to know that there are people out there that think if you don't support Colin Kaepernick that you're racist. That is so closed-minded. That is so closed-minded. I think that that mindset does worse toward advancing uh, civil rights. I really do believe that. I really do believe. Regardless, you know, regardless of the color of your skin, um... I, I, I just I don't think that we can look at it that, that narrowly, in all honesty. I hope I didn't lose any viewers right there, but hopefully you guys like me. The ones who like me like me for, for my honesty. You may not agree with everything I say. Uh, I'm going to remind you very quickly that I am 100% and always have been an advocate for, for equality and continuing to push to achieve that. And I believe that we can as a humanity, I've talked to people, maybe they're cynical, I don't know. And they said, I don't think that we can reach a utopian society. There's always got to be struggle, but I do believe that we will prevail and that racism will eventually be eliminated. I believe that I, I, I dream that. Uh, and, and same with a lot of the other world problems. I believe that we can achieve that, that state of, of, you want to call it utopia um however you want to define it but i believe that and i I choose to take active steps steps by the way that i live my life um by the way that i live my life so um anyway we talked about uh a lot there and uh how are you guys doing regarding the polar vortex you guys doing all right there Staying warm. Luckily, the the temperatures kind of going back up around the world. Thank God. It's been a tough. It's been a tough week or a week and a half. A lot of people died from the cold. Uh, I hope that you guys stayed warm, made it through. But uh, I'll tell you, you got to be thankful for having a roof over your head and and warm power. Like sometimes it's the most simple things that that are a reminder of the things that we have to be thankful for. Um, The the power actually, the the heat went out in my building for a bit. It was only about six hours when it was like six degrees outside. But I'll tell you, that stuff, you know, people can die from that. You know, there was was some problems at the jails, I think, in the Bronx. There was a jail that lost uh, heating and people were out there protesting. A lot of the inmates were were not getting uh, resources. They felt like it was torturous. So, um, there's other places where the power has been out. The power was out in other parts of this building for, for a while, you know, and, uh, it's sad. Homeless people, street- I, I don't think there's any human being that can sleep on the street in that weather and make it through the night unless you've got like a nice sleeping bag, one of those high powered sleeping bags, or somehow you find a way to like sleep on the train or somewhere where there's a heater or a radiator. I mean, it's, um, you gotta be thankful. I forget the name of the the hotline that you can call. I'd I'd shout it out right now if I knew it off the top of my head, but you can Google it. There is a a number that you can call if you see a homeless person below a certain, I think it's below 32 degrees. If you call that number, there will be people that come and and help that person find a place to sleep for the night so that they can make it through the night. Uh, I encourage myself and anyone to to take a look at that. Um, Hopefully the worst is over, but... You know, we're still in early February, so... Uh, I don't know if other cities have those types of resources, but I think it's worth looking into. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, uh, how about the Michael Jackson video at Sundance? Did you guys hear about that? Ho- supposedly it was very, very graphic and very disturbing. Uh, two of the accusers of Michael Jackson for committing you know sexual misconduct toward them when they were kids have made a I guess a documentary on it and supposedly it was so intense and gruesome that people needed like counsel they needed to speak with counselors after the video Uh you know seeing that is, is obviously jarring you know I think for anybody especially whether or not you liked whether or not you're a fan of MJ um, I think it's jarring it's very jarring right it's disturbing to hear that i read some articles i haven't seen the the movie but i did read some articles there are you know points on both sides right there there there's a lot of people that michael knew uh when they were kids that that claim he never did anything like that um these two people that claim he did made a video and uh people that are defending mj are saying that this video though graphic doesn't offer any new evidence than what was ever shared and it's it's not enough evidence there's nothing that's ever been enough evidence to truly like convict him or or to know whether or not he's actually guilty of of the things that they say so i all I can say is nobody I wasn't there I just hope he didn't I hope these people are making it up if if they are telling the truth it's truly truly tragic it's sad you know, it, it shows a part of of MJ that I don't think any of us want to exist. Right? We we don't want to know that that can even exist in in somebody that we, that we love so much. Um, you know, you can't deny facts. I, I I won't deny facts. If someone presents me with true facts that he did it, I, I will not deny them. Right? Um, I haven't seen them yet. I've seen a lot of accusations and and some things that look like, you know, they could be, you know, it's I've heard things, but um, I truly hope it's not real. I really do with all my heart. And if it is, you know, it's just it's it's sad. I always think about that line if it is true I think about that line will you be there have you ever heard that song will you be there it was in Free Willy and he does that monologue at the end and he said in my darkest hour in my deepest despair will you be there um, and if those things are true then you know would we be there for Michael if that is his darkest hour if that is his deepest despair um, I believe in you know, forgiveness, and I will, I would be there for Michael, um, you know, I would be, so, and that doesn't mean I support his behavior. What it means is that I believe that when people commit crimes, that they shouldn't have the opportunity to, to hurt others with them, but we should not end their life, first of all, and we should not destroy them I think that there is good in everyone so if Michael did those and he was still alive we would all we would need to study we we need to put studies to, to see like what caused that was it mental illness you know what, what, what was the is it part of his childhood did, did it happen to him like what is not to justify it or rationalize it but what can we learn to prevent things like that from happening again happening again not to you know, just we have to be more constructive in how we handle uh, negative things that people have done. That's what I, I think. We're I am I, I'm a, I'm a broken record on this, but we are so adamant to just tear people down for mistakes that they've made, knowing that when we look within ourselves, we've all made mistakes. To varying degrees, I'm not saying that they're necessarily equal to what Michael Jackson is, is accused of, um, but we've all made mistakes. We've all done things that if there's anything we could do in the world to take it back, we would. We've all done things that we're not embarrassed of, that, we're, that we would hope no one ever finds out. Um, so we, we just have to be more empathetic um, toward everybody. And, of course, the victims, if those things happened to them right like if, if those things really are true and, and I, I I haven't seen the evidence but you know we can't ignore them right if, if that's true um, we have to show empathy. I, I, I believe in showing empathy in a 360 uh, format that's side to side up down backwards forward and in a, in a four-dimensional in a four-dimensional sphere I believe in it four-dimensional empathy right forget you know so um and not forget about his work that that brought us joy regardless we cannot forget about um michael jackson's work that the inspired hope um to the world right we can't forget about those watch the super bowl come halftime show that michael jackson did if you guys you, you thought maroon five nipple hanging out was exciting check out michael jackson's super bowl halftime show it's one of the best of all time if not the best in my opinion um it may seem hypocritical if you believe that he uh, harmed kids in any way again for me the jury's all out still out um, and it probably always will be i don't think any of us will ever truly know um, but he, there is a part where he talks, you know, the, the, the crowd, he talks about saving the children and all these things, you know, and, um, it's a damn good message. That's all I can say. So, um, all right, let's see here. The polar vortex, I talked about that and, uh, there was a guy named McDonough, or McDonough in Britain that went to a McDonald's and started arguing because they put onions in his burger or whatever he ordered, and he's he called the police, and the police ended up arresting him and taking him to jail because he wanted to fight the manager, I guess, which I find outrageous, right? But it doesn't surprise me. Uh, sometimes sometimes these dudes overseas, like, that sounds racist already or, or prejudiced, but it's... Let me clarify. Uh, I've seen, I remember we were, where were we in Germany? Ireland, we were in Ireland and one of my friends uh, accidentally grabbed the Coke at the counter uh, of a checkout of like a grocery store or a place where you we were eating, like a McDonald's type place. And he accidentally grabbed, it wasn't done on purpose, but uh, I guess the guy behind us or in front of us in line was like, you just grabbed my Coke. Like the dude wanted to fight my friend. Like you don't see that in America often. I haven't, at least, where you you make an accident like that, bad intentions, where you're even apologizing, saying I didn't mean to, and the dude still wants to fight. You just grabbed my coke. That is not your coke. I don't even think... He wasn't even Irish, the guy. That's not an Irish accent, but um, I remember that, that he spoke that way. And it was... Uh, a fight almost broke out over it. So uh, this dude was drunk, I guess, at the McDonald's thing and went to jail. So that was... That was a an interesting article to me. I, I don't really have much to say other than McDonald's, baby. I don't know. Eh, yeah, some Mickey D's lately? I don't know. All right, cool. Hey, awesome, awesome. All right, so moving on. You guys ever watch that uh, post-Super Bowl show? That's always interesting how they're advertising for something. It's a show that I haven't seen before. I actually did watch it, but we just left the TV on. I forget the name of it, but it's kind of like America's Got Talent, except it's still different. You know, it's, it's a similar kind of like a talent show or, or a display of, of amazing things that human beings can do from all around the world, actually. So I, I found it interesting. I found it different than America's Got Talent. It has a little bit of its own unique flavor. Uh, I was a little bit captivated. Uh, there was a guy who is... Uh, I think from China and he he didn't speak any English. He had an interpret there answering questions from the judges, Drew Barrymore, Faith Hill, and another judge. And then they got like judges representing different parts of the world, um, that have like smaller votes, I guess you could say smaller. They make up a smaller portion of the ballot. Um, three of the main judges make up 50% of the vote, you know, three that I mentioned. And then like, uh, the rest of the, group uh makes up another 50 percent of the vote right like 30 more people or something maybe it's 50 more i don't know but uh it is there was one dude like i said he he didn't speak english and then he gets up there and starts speak singing a song like a country song in in perfect pitch and faith hill was blown away so that was cool there was a bunch a couple filipino kids uh like a filipino what do they call it not a quartet but a, a a trio, yeah. Uh, there was a trio of Filipino kids. Hashtag Philippines, baby. I'm a quarter Filipino. Uh, I'll have to tell my mom about it. I haven't talked to her about it yet, but they were managed by a Filipino lady. You could tell she was probably she was like the Michael. She was like the Joseph Jackson of the group. You know, probably the, the secret one behind the scenes, pushing them to strive for perfection. Um, in some ways, my dad was like that. Uh, you know, he always wanted to push me to be the best that I can be. You know, nothing was ever good, ever good enough, but I'm thankful for it, and I feel a lot of love from my dad. I don't view him the way I think the kids feel like they were abused by Michael by Michael Jackson's dad, Joseph. I don't feel like I was abused. I just feel that I was – my dad had high expectations, you know, and it, it helped me become, you know, successful in a lot of ways. I do give him a lot of that credit for, for that – you know, I was always pushing for his approval in those ways, and it, it helped me really, you know, become great in a lot of ways. So, um, yeah, so, uh, those kids did really well. I think they got nearly a perfect score. It was, uh, I couldn't even tell if they were all males or not at, at first, but I think my girlfriend convinced me that they were. If you guys didn't see the show, I apologize for talking about this. Uh, I do recommend, Taking a look, there was one dude that was swallowing swords. Very intense. Like, at one point, he swallowed like 20 swords that were like taped together, which doesn't make sense, but they bent the swords, like thin swords, which is a lot thicker in the end than like one sword, I can tell you that. And he had like these like magnets placed on his chest to help keep the metal from like going into his heart. Oh, I'm telling you, it was like grotesque to watch. Just thinking about it right now is like making me uncomfortable, but none of the judges. I mean, yeah, it's impressive, but, like, there was nobody that wanted to see that. Like, it was disgusting. Uh, and the dude did not get a good score at all. <laughs> and I think he was probably devastated because he's committed his life to swallowing swords. Um, you know? I-, I would say in that case, it's the be- it's the only time I'd ever recommend spitting versus swallowing. Did it? right. Uh... So, yeah, he didn't he didn't make it through. Uh, and then uh, there was a lady that played the violin, I believe it was the violin, and she had one arm and, like, a prosthetic... Uh, I don't even know what... Not an arm, but, like, a metal thing coming from her shoulder that was just unbelievable. People were crying, you know, and inspired that she had learned, you know, after she... For whatever reason, whether she lost her arm at birth or at some point in life, she figured out a way, and, and, like, worked, I, I imagine it just it required in, insane amounts of work to, to perfect this craft. You know, she played just, she played the violin amazingly, you know, and, and it was, uh, it was very, it was touching. It really was. No, no joke. I'm not even, I'm not even bullshitting you guys. Uh, it was really cool. And then the last dude was like a modern day Houdini that locked himself inside of a, a glass, uh, like vault thing with filled with water that it was going to get out of there. It's like why do you like he, th- they actually he told why he's motivated and he said that it because his his brother experiences like uh seizures or something where he loses his breath and he wants to know what that's like. It's like dude, come on. That's that's it. That is a dumb that's a dumb justification. Like I can understand wanting to 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 be like I I I understand the part where you want to like know what your brother is going through and that you have a great amount of love for your brother, but to <laughs> to take that as far as saying I'm gonna start doing magic shows where I lock myself in a in a, a vault you know filled with water to see if I can get out I think that's taken you know from one to a thousand so. Uh, definitely, uh, at the end of the show, it was weird, because they didn't even explain what happened, it looked like he wasn't gonna make it out, and then they just moved on to the next show, it's like, what the fuck, it reminds me, I've recorded all these episodes of God Friended Me, and I watch them, and every time, it, the episode gets cut off at the very end, and I just, I have no choice but to say, I'll oh, just, ah, oh, fuck it, you know, like, I miss, like, the most important thing, I don't know what the deal is with, uh, TV these days, you can't even see the, the ending, it's like, uh, you know, having sex and then right before you have an orgasm, somebody comes in and says, Alright, we're moving on to the next show now, you know? It's like, uh, okay, well I guess enjoy the ride. I guess this is a good example of just enjoying the journey type thing, uh I didn't get the satisfaction of knowing how the hell that ends. Um We'll talk about God friended me in a little bit. Uh but I, I have watch the entire season now except for the parts that get cut off on my dvr which is extremely annoying i just have to fill in the fill in the blank myself you know that's always a great way to watch a show it's like a a coloring it's like reading a book right and you get to the very end and then the last couple pages are blank and it just says fill in the blank like oh thanks appreciate that glad i invested my time and energy into this thing so that I can fill in the blank myself at the very end. Great. That's always fun. Thank you. But, um, I, I forgot to say earlier, there was a, a news story that cracked me up. There was a teen that was arrested for taking an MTA bus. You know, that's the public transportation bus here in New York, the buses that they have. It's called the MTA, them and, and the subway. It's all The MTA runs that all, the public transportation and somebody took it for a joyride, like a teenager. Uh, I recommend googling it. I started cracking up. It reminds me of my buddy Brian Patrick Kelly because he did that to a golf cart at Eureka High School when we were kids, and it was the most epping, the most epic thing, you know, like a non-athlete did. If that makes sense, like like Brian Kelly takes the cake, and in in like the most epic uh, thing that uh, that somebody. Could have done uh, during that time. Um, so that actually reminds me of how last week when I was on stage, somebody said, "What's the craziest thing you've ever done?" Right? Because I was doing a lot of time. I do I do this weekly show in Brooklyn, and uh, I really try to get to know the audience and really open up and kind of expand my voice through the medium of comedy. In some ways, I kind of I experiment a lot and i talk to the crowd the way i'm talking to you guys right now it's more improvised rather than like scripted material and it's more like you know building that connection first and then finding the funny later if that makes sense um and and, and it, I, I i'm very intrigued by this process of of honing the craft of my my comedy because uh it allows me to be myself completely on stage and i think that that's going to take me to the next step uh, in my comedic growth um, but nevertheless when somebody asked me what's the I, I asked the audience do you have any questions for me before I leave because you know we've they've gotten they've invested the time in getting to know me and, and I you know they, they've joined me on a journey you know that I've taken them on and I want to respect that and make sure that people leave satisfied so I was like you know anybody have any questions Somebody screamed you know what's the craziest thing you've ever done so I opened up and it was the first time on stage that I've told it live the story about my arrest you know in Colombia and you know basically streaking uh you know on steroids is what I did uh and uh they they were very intrigued by the story and um you know I actually got I'm not going to say which comedy club <laughs> But I, I actually got a, a booking from doing that. Like there was a comedy club where the owner, when he found out that I did that, I guess he saw it in the paper or whatever, and he was like, "That shit was fucking hilarious," you know, and and booked me for a weekend just because of that news story, right? And uh, you know, uh, not, I'm not necessarily proud of that or anything. Like I would never do it again. If there's any officers listening to this, let me let me just promise you that I've learned my lesson and. Yeah, it was a a one-time thing. What's done is done, and, you know, I can't change it. They actually asked me if I – somebody in the audience asked me if I regret it or not. (laughs) Um, You know, I uh, I do everything with intention, okay? I don't know if that's actually true or not, but uh, I'm not even going to answer that question right now. Uh, But what I will say is that – I I think I knew even going into it that I would never do it again. If that makes sense, like I, I didn't, like I'm not just gonna never do it again because I learned my lesson. Like I I I already knew that I would never do that again. If that makes sense, like it was one of those things where, uh, and uh, I, I I was really self conscious about it. Self conscious about it for a while. I mean, I'm not even gonna tell you how furious my parents were when they found out, um, especially my dad. But, um, you know, one of my, one of my, one of my friends, uh, who actually just had his first Comedy Central, uh, debut, uh, his name's Ryan Beck, I don't know if you guys have seen it yet, but when he, I was kind of self-conscious about, you know, like, the aftermath of it, like, the fact that it was, like, you know, in police reports, and, you know, it was on the news and stuff, but he was, like, I, you know, he was actually like, to be honest, man, I actually think it like contributes to your comedy legend. I think it actually helps you as a comedian. And I, that was nice of him to say that that actually did make me feel better. Um, you know, cause I was kind of ashamed of it in a lot of ways, you know, you know, my dad scolded me like a dog, you know, when the dog poops in the house and, and you're like, what did you do? Well, you know, it's kind of like that type of thing, obviously had to pay a lot of, a lot of cons a lot of had to there was a lot of consequences in in a lot of different ways financial you know uh, just that's not the biggest one right but uh luckily we made it through and it's done you know it won't happen again uh and uh you know hopefully who was ever there enjoyed the show you know i hope that i hope i sincerely hope that nobody was Negatively impacted by it, and that it was a positive experience for those who were those who were there. Um, nevertheless, nevertheless, yeah. Uh, what do we What do we want to talk about? Right, we're going to kind of get down to. Speaking of my dad, there was a dad who, um, one of the victims of the Parkland shooting. Mason, I'm going to start getting into the comedy stuff now, right? One of the victims of the Parkland. Shooting, I think it was the Parkland shooting. Made a video, kind of to let his voice be heard, you know, in speaking out against Louis C.K.'s thing that leaked a few uh, a few weeks back. I've already talked about it on the podcast, but you know, this is new. Uh, the dad made a kind of like a f- short demo or kind of, not a parody for the sake of creating laughter, but like a parody, a paradoxical type thing to to let his voice be heard and, and how he truly feels and, and how painful I think it is for him to hear as a father to, to who lost his son in the Parkland shooting to hear, you know, jokes from Louis CK about that. And, you know, I, I was kind of defending it a couple of weeks back and, and I have some things to say, cause it did, it did make me think about it in a, in a new lens and from a new light that I hadn't thought of before. Um, first of all, I, I feel terribly sorry for, for that guy's dad the kid who lost his life and the kid right and and, and anybody who was there there's no and I think Louie would I I assume that he would feel the same that like he's not he doesn't feel like um he's not he, he like the fact that that's a tragedy I think is separate to his jokes I, I can't speak for him I assume it is and I hope it is like I I think that he would agree with any of if not most of hopefully all of us but maybe most of us that that's a terrible terrible thing that happened and um he's not like i don't think by making jokes he's trying to downplay the significance of what happened i think some people feel that way and if you were personally involved like this father it feels personal right cuz it is personal right you're you're basically your son in some ways is the butt of the joke when you really break it down right it feels personal like when somebody makes concussion jokes about football players first time I heard it I got angry in fact I, I had kind of a Facebook fight with a somewhat famous comedian uh, Jake Wiseman who's a Comedy Central comedian and I, I think I overreacted right I I, I think that as a, as a person who played football and who was so close to the sport and has so many friends who Sacrificed so much of their efforts and one person actually died Michael Keck I don't know if you guys know but Michael Keck was a football player at Mizzou who died uh, and his brain he donated his brain to science and they just said it was it was just like The brain of like a 73 year old man. This kid is like less than 30 years old. He was a linebacker for Mizzou One of my friends, right? I, I don't know the exact age that they said it was or how they know that but it, it was there was a lot of brain damage and I think it's what led to him committing. Su- I think he committed suicide. Uh, I'd have to go back and look, but it's a personal thing for me. So when I when I heard someone, Jake Wiseman was his name, I I, I reacted emotionally on Facebook when he, he said he he made a joke several years ago. Um, I'm happy for his success, and I I actually know him personally. I don't know if he remembers me from when we met him in person, but I like I liked him, you know, when I met him in person. But that joke set me off. It it. Uh, I couldn't take the joke at that time, you know. Um, you know, he talked about how, you know, he couldn't get laid in college. And all these football players could get laid, but they had brain damage. But he thought it was, like, worth it because he'd rather be able to, you know, have a brain now, I guess, right? Something like that. And, uh, you know, I took that personally. It, it just hit too close to home for me. And there was a lot of people that were, like, supporting him. And uh, I was kind of... Uh, Standing up for myself and football players, because um, I, I like I said it, it was it was close to home. I think um, I know he didn't. I assume he didn't mean it in any kind of a mean-spirited way, and I think that sometimes we, when you're the butt of the humor, sometimes if it really does hit close to home, sometimes that's the funniest stuff, right? For some people at least, and sometimes it hurts the butt of the humor more than anyone. And in this case, it hurt me. And in this, in 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 the case that. You know louis ck made this joke about the parkland shooting you know a father took it very personal and, it, and it, it makes you think for a second i want to break down comedy in this way for a moment and say that oftentimes in humor there is a butt of of the joke there is a butt of the joke there is like a somebody or something oftentimes that is receiving the the poking right the poking or the jab whatever you want to say and The funniest stuff is is oftentimes either true completely true or based on a version of the truth or something that could be true right so sometimes though you may though a comedian or somebody who's funny may intend like sometimes bullies right they they make their friends laugh by making fun of like the the weaker kid right uh which is kind of a mean form of humor right and it's something that can happen it's something that can can create a lot of laughter for some people but i think for me, and I and I've done every form. I've done stuff that's I've said mean things. I've said things that are nice. I've, you know, the older I get, the more I try to steer away from saying something that's really gonna be mean or upsetting, if I can, um, if it's possible to be just as funny. You know, it's it's hard when you know something like if your funniest joke and that's gonna create the biggest reaction and the biggest amount of laughter. It is very tempting to say that, um, even though someone you know that like someone is going to maybe you know be the butt of that humor, and you know it's nice to maybe try to re- reassure that person. Hey, I, I didn't mean that personally. I meant it as a joke. I you know like it's. I think it's important if you can. I think Louis should maybe apologize to. That dad and say, you know, I, I'm very sorry, and and the fact that I was joking about this wasn't to downplay the significance. You know, I can't speak for Louis, right? Maybe he doesn't feel bad. I don't know, but I do think that, I think an apology is necessary. It doesn't need to be public, right? I think Louis could reach out to the dad, one on one or in public, whatever he wants, and maybe just talk to him about it and say, look, I, I, what happened is terrible, and I didn't mean to make it worse by, by making this joke, right? um i don't know it's it's that that's my thought uh i try as a comedian to spread it out you see a lot of comedians do a lot of self-deprecating stuff and if you do only self-deprecating audiences like it because it makes them feel better about themselves right because you're not making fun of them um but it's you can't only make fun of yourself i think it's healthy to distribute stuff as equally as you can right whether it's if you're going to do racial humor, spreading it out toward all races or, or as many as you can to show that you're not targeting one particular race and just saying, oh, I was just kidding, right? Like, if you're going to make fun of people and make jokes about you know, stereotypes or, or prejudice things, you got to, I think it's important to try and spread it out and maybe you know, clarify. They should already know but you know sometimes it helps I feel more comfortable clarifying if I am going to sound if if I ever say something that sounds really mean spirited I try to clarify that it's not mean spirited you know because there is a difference I think a bully making fun of a kid in front of his friends is mean spirited it's selfish it's trying to put somebody else down to make themselves look better but I think a bully I think that somebody can make fun of somebody in a way, and we do it all the time with our friends, right? Right? Like uh, I make fun of James William John Bariolis more than anybody I know, and I've told you guys before it's because I love him so much, right? So there's a way to do it where Jimmy, he knows not only because we're friends, but in the tone of my voice, right? Not, every, not everybody can read that, and I understand not everybody has that close of a relationship. When you're watching a comedian, you may not know him personally. But when he is on stage, you do have to remember that he is he is there to invoke laughter, right, and, um, you know, I'm not, I don't know if, you know, is it anything goes, I don't know, but I guess you just got to do you, I I don't know, for me, I try try not to be just a straight-up asshole, I I would feel bad if, if I knew that somebody was affected by my joke the way that dad was, I would feel bad, I would feel really bad, and I would apologize to. I mean, I can only speak for myself, though. Um, so that's that. Um, you know, we've talked about a lot. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you a couple other. We're gonna move on to some of the the updates in the comedy world. I, I told you guys this podcast is gonna be like three hours today, and I'm, again, I I apologize for the second time, but I I just want to fucking talk. You know, I'm having fun, so. Uh, what do we got? What do we got? We've got some updates in the world of comedy. Pete Davidson's back in the news, uh, for being seen with Kate Beckinsale. So some people are applauding him saying, geez, does his dick, you know, does he, does he shoot diamonds out of his penis? Uh, Kate Beckinsale is, uh, she was my favorite actress when she was in Click. I remember I wanted to grow up and marry her and I was sad that she was married I, went, I, I, I was like doing online dating when I was in LA and I was talking to this girl and I found out that she was an assistant for Kate Beckinsale and I cut it off with her, even though Kate Beckinsale was married, because I didn't want Kate Beckinsale to learn about me through an assistant or that ever to come back to her in case I ever had a chance to date Kate Beckinsale. Isn't that insane? If I was single right now and I ran into Kate Beckinsale, I do think that there would be an attraction, to be honest. Uh, but I'm not single and, uh, you know, she's, uh, I think she's getting some stuff out of her system. I think she's, uh, she's, this is the second young dude she's been fooling around with Matt or that i that the public is aware of at least, you know, that the last guy is a comedian named Matt Reif, right? I don't know if you guys know him, but she's been kind of dating him on and off for a bit. I, I wonder how Matt feels about Pete Davidson, but uh who knows? You know, I mean they were holding hands. I mean, it looked like they were there together and like they're they're probably railing, you know. I think Pete Davidson might be he might be he might be blowing some loads. Who knows? I don't know. I can't speak for them. I can't speak for him or her. But uh looks like she's she's having fun some with fun with some of these younger dudes. All we can do is hypothesize and more power to her. I mean, frankly, like I said, if I was single and I ran into her, man, I would I would uh I would uh I would show her I would show her love. Let's put it that way, baby. You know what I mean? Uh P- Michael Rapaport, do you guys know him? The comedian. Well, he was kind of hating on Pete Davidson and Ariana Grande and then not apologizing, like specifically saying he's not apologizing for it. I think if I'm not mistaken, some the more of the jokes were or more of the the hating was specifically targeted toward Ariana Grande. I will say I found it kind of entertaining. You know, I think Ariana, yeah, she's beautiful. She's very talented. I do think she's a little immature. Uh, but, you know, everyone, you know, everyone matures differently over the years. How how can I? I don't know her personally. I just think she seems a little um, retaliatory. She seems very quick. She stands up for herself. I do respect that. She's got fight in her for real. I uh, I don't know I just said for real. Now, now I'm talking like her, I think. But uh, I think she's got fight in her, but I think she's a little bit, What's the word? I don't know if she's, like, nice to everybody. Like, it feels like she's got, like, a a catty vibe. Um, uh, You know, she seems like she can be cold very quickly. Like, I feel like she could go from hot to cold on a dime. You know, the way Barry Sanders can make cuts on the football field. I feel like she can... She has the capacity to be a very warm and loving person. But I think she can... like flip one eighty, just like it with them with not not even a moment's notice. That's the vibe I get from her, and, and I, I just don't I don't necessarily like that. You know what I mean? Um, you know I I, I hope that I hope that Mac Miller did not die like basically. I hope that. It, his heartbreak over Ariana did not lead to his death. I truly hope that. It's sad that he's gone. I love Mac Miller. Um and there's nothing that can be done at this point. So whatever is done, I'm sure she probably feels guilty in some ways, which is sad. I mean, nobody wants to have to live with uh live with with that type of guilt or, or, or if she does feel guilty nobody knows, you know, only Mac and her really know that relationship, you know, and Mac's gone, so, uh, God bless him, he, you know, what's funny is I, I've seen both Mac Miller live and Pete Davidson live, and I, I thought both of them were awesome, you know, so, um, I don't know if you guys, Are seeing any of this? If any of you follow the Fuck Jerry account on Instagram, maybe there's a Twitter too. But there's a lot of comedians trying to, trying to kind of protest and get that account removed, I guess, because they're saying that he steals jokes, and that's not, that's not like something that should be tolerated, right? And nobody likes thieves of any kind, right? We talked about stealing earlier when it came to the Mizzou stuff, right? Uh, should, should somebody be killed over it absolutely not right? an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth is uh, something that I've heard before in the Beeble. Um but uh, you know I, I think that uh, maybe they should take that account down I think there's another one that, that steals isn't it uh, the fat Jewish uh, com- comic, he, I met him in Greenwich Village actually uh, I think I've talked about it before uh he he wasn't super friendly but whatever you know i mean i'm not going to judge him for it i do think that his content uh from what i've heard is is oftentimes forged from from other people's stuff right you know i think his his goal is like to just create laughter regardless of where it comes from right i think here's the difference i i don't mind i'm i'm completely down for sharing something that's very funny that i didn't create but i I can't take you can't take credit for it. It's just like you learn in school, right like there's gotta be some sort of citation. There's a reason why we learn and why they're so adamant on citing things and having a bibliography you know and and giving the authors credit and not just taking things word for word and acting as if they're your own without citing somebody right um I get that that's why they have that. They should do that in comedy, right like they should. The sad thing in comedy, it's hard because there's so many similar ideas, right? We're all thinking about some of the same things, uh, especially if we're to- thinking in terms of topical humor. And there are universal things that are similar. I I, I mean, every you take a topic and there's going to be hundreds of comedians out there that are always, already doing jokes on that topic, and you're going to see similar threads and similar lines of thought, you know, like uh, some of my jokes about dick pics and online dating and, um, you know, like you know, today's online dating is like seamless for penis. Well, there's there's another comedian in New York that wrote a very similar joke as mine, you know, to that. He calls it Grubhub. He used the more advanced term, right? But we both have a very similar joke in that and neither one of us stole it from each other. I know he didn't steal it from me, but it's so similar that it's like, ooh, like if I'm on the same show as him, I, I'm not going to use that joke, but I'm also not going to, Stop telling it because, um, you know, because I, I, I did come up with that joke. I have a joke about masturbating after the first time, how uncomfortable it is. The first time that you end up masturbating after somebody dies, somebody else wrote a similar joke. Like somebody's dad passed away and he wrote a joke about that, you know, and jokes can be therapeutic to try and get over loss, right? Um... But, you know, I'm, I'm not going to stop telling that joke. Like, I wrote that joke 10 years before that, right? Um, so it's kind of one of those deals where there's sometimes overlap. But um, I, I think that, in you know, to make my point, if we are going to use somebody else's work, I mean, if someone wants to use my work, that's an honor, but just cite me. You know, I, I try to do that. Even when I'm on stage, if I tell a joke that I've heard before... I'll say, I've heard this before, I didn't make this up. And if I know who, who wrote the joke, I do. I rarely do that type of stuff. Um, but, you know, we've all, you know, if I retweet something or, like, a joke or, like, whatever, I, I try to uh, always make sure that the the origin of, of that creation of that humor gets the credit for it. Um, you know, no reason, no need to deprive the world of, of something that's humorous, though, and only share the stuff that i've created i feel that way at least you know um so yeah that's uh that's my thought on that um what else we've got uh we were watching the comedians of the world on netflix this is a new series that was released here in 2019 you know comedians from all around the world have kind of like a, a comedy special i guess like 30 minutes right on on their own version. There's a couple people from the US, a couple people from several different parts of the world. I don't even know how many comics are, make up the whole thing. I'd, I'd, I'd actually have to uh, Google that, but I know a, a couple of them on there. Uh, the first, well, we watched Nick Swartzen, right? You guys obviously know uh, Nick Swartzen. He's an American, uh, he's from Minnesota and uh you know he is hilarious Uh, i've always liked him he's always been one of my favorites i remember watching him when i was living in missouri you know i think i saw him on comedy central for the first time when i was in middle school always thought he was funny uh nicholas swartzen from the from his very first appearance on comedy central i was like this dude's unique i like him he's like he's got a different like perspective i kind of identify with that i you know and uh He's 42 now and is I mean he's just he's just hilarious. I mean my girlfriend and I were watching him almost crying like dry heaving from laughter. I tweeted at him actually cuz I was so happy. I have a picture that I that I've got with him. I put it on Facebook and Twitter and he replied which was really cool. You know, I don't I'm sure he doesn't remember me. Maybe he does, but he responded and said you're the best. So that meant a lot to me. It's cool when you can connect with the people that you, you know, whether you want to use the word admire, or just the people that you think have great talent that you appreciate. You know, it's nice to have some sort of a connection with them. You know, like Polly Shore liked, I wished him a happy birthday. And, it, you know, when they like respond or there's some kind of a thing, like it means something. So if you guys, you know, I want to make sure that I give back the things that I appreciate when, when I reach out, like to Nick Swartz, and he's always been humble, he's always been nice, he's always been respectful and friendly. I want to, you know, make sure that anyone that likes me, that I treat them with that same respect and give them that warmth back and create that connection, right? So if you, if we haven't met before, and even if we have maybe we're great friends because I know a lot of my friends listen to this podcast, um, I want to, you know, give you that connection right without overdoing it naturally like my friend Irvin you know that guy that I told you that I think he's secretly God undercover Um, he hits me up almost every day still telling just updating me on his life I didn't ask I didn't but uh, that's that's a little that's that's too strong right that's a little too strong so we all know that right balance hopefully except Irvin doesn't seem to, to, to like know that normal etiquette that's fine whatever um, the cool thing is, is he comments on all my social media, so that creates engagement rate. I appreciate that, Irvin. If you're listening, if you are, don't feel bad. I I like you. I I care about you. Um, I want good things for you. We are friends. Um, but as I've told you before, you know, just maybe don't hit me up as often. You know, don't you don't need to blow up my inbox. You hit me up more than my girlfriend. You know, and she hits me up all the time. So. Anyway, um, definitely cool. Uh, Adi Adi Khalifa is the other comedian that I mentioned on Netflix that I know. Uh, him and I uh, actually a couple months back uh, we were hanging out after a, a show. Uh, it was an open mic, believe it or not, at New York Comedy Club. Right, this dude's doing Netflix, and you know, you nobody's ever at a point where they're you know I think that open mics can, can serve anybody well at any stage of the game right like I, I Dave Chappelle obviously doesn't need to do open mics but if he wanted to like there's no shame in it is, is I guess what I'm trying to say like if if he wanted to get on stage and that was the only way to get on stage in that moment because there weren't other shows because say it's earlier in the day yet, I I don't think I think Dave Chappelle is a humble enough dude to not think that he's above that and to get on stage and do some time at the mic right so um I was hanging out with this dude Adi Khalifa. He's from Nazareth actually and he has first time I saw him perform and he was starting to talk about that and how he's from the same place as Jesus. My ears were naturally perked, right? His set is very positive and uplifting and unique and funny. He's got an accent, you know. Um English is not his first language, but he's very funny, very talented and I love this his uh Netflix debut there. I actually reached out to him um, and just told him I was proud of him and uh, you know he's excited he appreciated it he's looking forward to when he comes back to New York in a couple months and you know we'll touch base obviously but um, his special wasn't even in English and I was laughing reading the subtitles and just watching his body language like it was and the, the content is actually very funny so I encourage you to check him out even if you don't speak um I don't know whether it was Hebrew or Arabic but it was you you will st- I honestly I think you will still really enjoy it because it's a different type of content than you like than uh than you normally see in all honesty like it's very worldly it's very grounded it's very universal it's it's beautiful no no homo, you know, like it's, it's awesome. And, uh, it encourages me to want to watch all the other Netflix specials from around the world, regardless of where they're from, because I think it'll help give me a multiple perspectives of different types of humor that I may or may not currently employ in my act. And it may spark some ideas for, for creativity, really. Um, so, you know, He's a very humble dude. He, you know, if you check him out on social media, he's got pictures with like Mo Ammer, Dave Chappelle, you know, he's friends with these guys. And uh, he's just a nice, humble dude. I mean, when we when we were hanging out, we stopped by McDonald's for a second because I guess he needed to use the restroom and he, he was like, "Dude, let me let me buy something for you." You know, he bought me some food. I, and it's just uh, it's a good testament. He tells me that when he goes back home, he's famous back home, so like he performs for thousands of people, you know, when he goes home when he goes home, and, uh, you know, I'm not surprised, so, uh, and it's funny, because, you know, you move to New York, and sometimes we got, you know, we're performing for an audience of three people that are all comedians from time to time, right, uh, it's not always the case, but uh, it is, it is something to, to be aware of, and, um, yeah, there's a lot of non, you know, to, to reap glory, you have to go through a lot, of you have to grind through a lot of darkness, and a lot of grunt work and a lot of non-glamorous stuff, right? All the hours and hours and hours that Tom Brady has put in to perfecting his craft. You know, nobody sees that, uh as far as well some people do, but it's you have to commit yourself. If there's something that you love, you have to go all in for it in order to truly reap, you know, reap the results that you want to see. You know, you have to fully commit um in order to really take it to the, to, to the level that you are capable of, right? To, to reach your potential, I guess. Um, so, nevertheless, the next guy, Matt Broussard, uh, he just... Oh, uh, My girlfriend just texted me and said, do you want to talk about Adam Levine's weird dancing on your podcast? So, yeah, Adam Levine's halftime Super Bowl performance with his nipples hanging out was definitely... My girlfriend was cringing. She was like, it, he... She was like, why is he dancing like that? Like He looks like, what is he doing right now? I don't really have much to say about it other than the fact that she thinks I look like him. Or people have told me I look like him. So that's not uh, a compliment after watching him dance on last night's performance. I mean, great voice. I have no problems with Adam Levine. I I did not care for the way he was dancing with his shirt off. Uh, It looked like a a Chippendales type deal, except he didn't get completely naked, thank goodness. So... Um what else guys uh Matt Broussard I said uh it was really cool working with him last year when he did my show uh very respectful guy you know i've I've met him a few times he's very respectful uh he was on Jimmy Fallon last week um i I encourage you guys to check check out his stuff it's it's funny he's one of those guys that you can 't help but like like him already cuz he comes out of the gates just self-deprecating kind of like putting himself down so you you immediately are like oh I I want to get on this guy's side you know so so I like how he 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 does that he employs the self-deprecating in his comedy but he's he's a well-spoken kind of he can tell he's like a he wasn't you can tell he wasn't like a jock in college but he was like a a respectful preppy dude I don't know how to not preppy as in like a an asshole prep but like He was like that, like, I get the vibe from him, like, when he was in college, that he was smart. You know, he probably got, like, pretty good grades, Um, and he was somewhat, you know, somewhat balanced there. Uh, In the times that I've met him, he's always nice and respectful. Um, And uh, I'm I'm happy for him, I'm proud of him, I mean, he, he did fantastic on Jimmy Fallon the other night. He's he's already made a couple national debuts. I think he's been on Conan twice now, at least maybe twice, yeah. But um, I think this was his first time on Fallon, and uh, I liked his stuff where he was kind of talking about how he was kind of trolling his, his girlfriend's ex-boyfriend, right? It, it was kind of funny to see how he, he felt emasculated or, or intimidated by her ex-boyfriend who was a swimmer and more built, and he was also making fun of a Since his girlfriend was an athlete in college, you know, she's like buffer than him or whatever. So like his shirts fit her, like he's the, like, he's like, oh, that's how that shirt's supposed to fit. So that was very funny. Um, a couple other things. Did I tell you guys, so on Polly Shore's birthday, I know I mentioned that I tweeted at him and he liked it, but, uh, I saw Polly Shore in person once when I was performing at the comedy store. You know, it's his family's club, as you probably already know. Maybe you don't. Mitzi Shore is his mom. She, She's the one who uh kind of started the whole thing and uh uh you know comedy store is huge in in uh in l a and you know it's it's the world famous comedy store right so many comedians have have come through there and anyway, I saw Polly Shore one time in the back uh green room if you're a comedian who's performed there, you know where the offices are there in the back uh upstairs behind the belly room there's a green room back there. Uh, it's my favorite room to perform in. It's the one that Dave Chappelle did his most recent comedy special at. And there was one time I was just chilling in the green room by myself, getting ready to go up. And I saw, I was walking to the bathroom, and I saw like Polly Shore. We looked at each other in the eyes, and we made eye contact. And I remember thinking, "Hey Polly I'm in I'm I'm in Pauly Shore's consciousness now, right?" And I was nervous because it was one of those things where you know I know he's working. He, I didn't want to kind of like. Not inconvenience him, but I didn't want to be that guy that's like trying to ask for something or seem like I. I don't know. I was a little nervous too in Starstruck. I should have said what's up just like I did to Troy Aikman when I told you guys how I met Troy Aikman. I should have just said hi. You know, what do I have to lose? And uh, I'm not going to. I don't think it's going to ever inconvenience another human being to say hi like like a person, right? I don't think that ever. Hi, Polly. My name's Mike. Nice to meet you. I don't think that that's. Anyway, I did. I did not do it in that moment, and it was his birthday the other day, so I, I tweeted at him about that, and I I told him that Biodome will always be one of my favorite movies, which is true, and he liked it. So th- the Comedy Store liked it too, so that was cool. I liked that, um, and. Um... You know, uh, I, I talk, some some things are going good. I'm really excited right now. Uh, you know, it's it's Monday right now, and I'm I've got a big week ahead, but things are good. You know, I'm not going to give you specifics, but I've I've recently met with somebody from Comedy Central, um, somebody that's really helpful and supportive of me uh, that that is there currently. Um, this person, um, you know, is, has kind of given me a little bit of guidance, I guess you could say, from that, from that world, and some advice. I also have another person from Comedy Central that, uh, works in the scouting side, side now, so I'm really excited. I, I don't want to put the cart before the, before the, before the horse, nothing is, you know, it's, it's not, um, you know, we haven't even had some, some real conversations about it. We haven't, like, had a sit-down session or anything like that, but, Let's just say that the ball is 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 at least further ahead than than nothing. Let's put it that way, right? And uh you know, my dream as a kid one of one of my th- one of the things that I wanted to accomplish in my journey of comedy obviously is performing on Comedy Central, right? So, um it looks like it's more realistic now than ever, but uh obviously some big things would need to happen. I don't have any kind of an announcement to make or you know it's not like we've like established some sort of a timeline or something like that, but let's say that the relationships are um I have relationships with people uh there and I'm I'm excited about that and that they're in they're in my corner. Let's put it that way. Um same with uh, a couple other things. You know, I, I got a, a friend who's an agent, a comedy agent at one of the big firms that uh I need to reach out to cuz I think we're going to be uh Uh, touching base this week um and uh, yeah um what else uh over the weekend I went to see one of you guys know Nick uh um uh sorry I'm I'm distracted because my girlfriend is texting me if you guys give me one second I want to make sure that I've uh responded appropriately but, uh, yeah, Nick Thune. Nick Thune was at the comedy, uh, at the Carolines Comedy Club. And it was, uh, it was a lot of fun, you know. Uh, I, I got to see him for, perform and then chat with him after the show. Uh, it was great to see him. He's, uh, you know, I, I, perf- I opened for him ten, year- ten years ago at Deja Vu one weekend uh, in Columbia, Missouri. Yeah, it's been cool to see his journey very creative guy he's i've always thought he's creative and and smart you know he's got a unique style you can tell it's not like that's typical new york stand-up thing he brings music uh into his act that's a lot of fun my girlfriend wants me to incorporate incorporate some some music into my eye i know that I need to create more like like audio and maybe even visual like changes in like pitch you know like some guys will do like funny like beats that they do and they make it into a comedy act and i don't know i need to i need to figure out how to create a little bit more like uh, range i guess you could say in the sounds and the in the in the visuals i think that those can be exciting jim carrey was the king of of visual comedy you know very very visually humorous um you know some of these guys like uh, usama Siddique. i saw him there that night by the way but he does a great um like, dropping of the beat joke. He talks about how when you drop a beat, you can say, like, anything as soon as the beat drops, but, and, like, everyone's so into it that they'll, like, dance. So, like, it's funny because he'll say, like, ridiculous... He'll, like, do this thing where he, like, creates the beat and then he drops it and then says some, like, ridiculous statement and then, like, says... You know, like, like he'll hit it and everyone will, like, be... He was like, he's, like, impersonating how people will go crazy to it, you know, unless it's, like, super, super hardcore... So uh, uh it was good to see Usama there. Uh he's one of the guys that performs at the cellar now. He was at just for last. I've talked to him before. I talked about him on here before. Hopefully I'll get to have him as a guest sooner than later. Um but uh after Caroline's uh my girlfriend and I stopped by the comedy cellar and I I I you know we we had a couple drinks Friday night. I'm getting older now, so I try to drink less, you know. And um you know, what's funny is we, uh, rather than buying drinks, right? Rather than buying drinks at the comedy clubs. Now I realized ice cream, comedy seller sells ice cream. So my girlfriend and I went to comedy. cellar. it was like midnight when we got there on our way home. And, uh, I bought her some ice cream, you know, a couple of scoops of ice cream with some chocolate it was delicious. I was like, yo, we need to, we I was like, this is, this is going to be our new thing now, ice cream at the cellar, you know, and we sat there at the Olive Tree Cafe, saw a bunch of the, you know, saw a bunch of the big names, you know, Dave Chappelle was chill, or Dave Attell, sorry, Dave Attell, um, Aziz Ansari was there, I said what's up to him, he did not sound like he really wanted to have an interaction, which I'm sure it's been a rough year for him, so he's probably like, Taking it back a notch, I, I I don't blame him. He's always been nice to me when I've met him. Um, this was the he wasn't rude to me. I mean, he said hi back, but he was n- not as friendly as he usually has been to me in the past. And I hope he's. I mean, I like Aziz. I I hope he's doing okay, man. Honestly, like I want to see him. Um. I, I I you know I I think that he's he's got a lot of good in him. I think he's he's always he's he's a nice guy. Right, and I feel like he's been uh, he's achieved a, a much far worse punishment than I think that is is—is necessary or appropriate you know so anyway my girlfriend just texted me am I napping or am I still recording my podcast sorry uh, I know that I've been going for two and a half hours now I do apologize hun for taking forever but I, yes I am still recording my podcast I wish Alexa could just send her that text for me, but she can't. Alright, so um, I saw one of, I met one of the owners at one of the comedy clubs on the subway, actually that night, and my girlfriend recognized this person so I'm not going to say who or what comedy club, I think that's a little too sp- specific uh, but I will say that it was awesome you know, it was kind of a, a turn of fate whether you want to call it that or not, like I didn't even my girl, I, I give my my girlfriend credit. She was my wingwoman that night, and like, good things resulted from each of those experiences. Um, that's one of the things that I tweeted at Nick Swartzen about. Like, having her around is helping me. You know, like, I she, when we were watching Nick Swartzen, she's like, This guy reminds me of you. She didn't even know how much I like Nick Swartzen. She's never seen him or heard of him before. We started watching, she's like, This guy reminds me of you. I think you're gonna, I could see you being like this guy when you're in your 40s. I took it as the biggest compliment ever. You know, it's like, wow, that's like the coolest thing anyone's ever told me. And that was one of the things that I tweeted at. That was one of the part of my tweet. And, you know, I'm sure he appreciated that, right? Uh, It's true. We made a joke. I was like, what if I just started tweeting every celebrity the exact same thing that I wrote to Nick Swartz and then got a response? Like, how... (laughs) How ridiculous would that be? You know, like tweet at Jimmy Fallon. My girlfriend think I think the joke started because we were talking about which late night people my my girl thinks that would like me the most, like as far as the actual host. She thinks that James Gordon Cohen would like me and my sense of humor. She thinks that he would get it because he seems like really playful. So she's like, I think James Gordon Cohen would like you. I was like, do you think any other hosts would like me? She's like, yeah, I think Jimmy Fallon would like you. She's like, you actually kind of remind me of Jimmy Fallon too. And I was like, maybe I should tweet that same thing that I tweeted Nick Swartzen, uh to Jimmy Fallon. And she's like, uh, no, no, we had a good laugh about that. And uh, she thinks that Conan is too smart for me, right? So, okay, thanks, Jessica. Appreciate that. Um, but going to the Comedy Cellar and seeing... So we saw Aziz, we saw Dave Attell. Sam Morrill was there. You guys know Sam? He's been making a bigger and bigger name. He did some Comedy Central stuff recently. Jimmy Fallon. Uh, I don't know if you guys know the name Ian Fidance, but he's starting to kind of make a bigger presence for himself in the scene. Uh, I'll never forget the time that I met him. And he's like, hey, as as we were leaving, he goes, hey, follow me on Instagram. And dropped his handle. I was like, oh, cool. That's That was a good goodbye. Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> Um, and I followed him, and he didn't follow me back. Great. Appreciate that, you know? That was good. Thanks, Ian Fidance. Appreciate that. Um, Michelle Wolf was there. I saw her, so that was pretty cool. Uh, we made eye contact. Now I'm in her, uh, awareness, right? Nice girl. I've seen her before. I actually said hi to her. She said hi back. Aren't I cool, because I said hi to some people, and they said hi back? Oh my gosh, I'm so cool, you know? Um... But going to the comedy cellar and then watching Crashing. We watched so Crashing has a new season out. They've got three episodes of the new season. Season three. Three of three, right? Michael Dredd, number three. Darnell Terrell number three. So yeah, we're we're watching Crashing and she reminds me of I don't want to do any spoilers here, so turn you know, fast forward or whatever. But uh Nick Nick or what am I saying? Pete's new girlfriend. He's very supportive of him. Uh, I don't like the character of his previous girlfriend or his wife in that show that cheated on him, obviously. But third time's a charm, maybe, right? I don't know. But nevertheless, this girl uh, was very, very. Well, she's very supportive of Pete, and it reminds me of my girlfriend. Like, dude, it's so funny actually. Like, my girlfriend also thinks that Pete Holmes and I are similar. She didn't say I, rem- I remind her of him, but she said that she. She sees that we have some similarities, and I agree with that because I'm kind of like a light comedian, like a positive, like uplifting one. I, I believe in God. Um, you know, that's a loose term. Love, I should say, just to clarify, God to me, God is love. So I believe in love, and uh, yeah, so I'm not as like – Pete Holmes is, is a little – I think he's like more afraid of God. I, I don't fear God in that way. Um, which some religious people would think is is terrible because isn 't it like a commandment to fear god i don 't know so i don 't i don 't take it to that level or that biblical like translation i I love God I love love um i don 't do things because i 'm afraid of going to hell. I do things because I love love I want to honor and respect my creator you know um, not to high road <laughs> anybody out there i 'm not trying to sound like I'm like the greatest person of all time but that's that is how I feel. Um yeah, so so that's a little bit different. Uh, I don't know how what I don't know Pete Holmes personally but he does an episode in this new season where he does church comedy at this like um uh for a bunch of Jewish people and he's a Christian, right? So he makes a bunch of funny stuff about the differences between Christ- Christians and Jews and uh the religion and all these things and Moses and talking about how, you know, Moses was a badass, you know, he was, he was doing like CrossFit by carrying these stones down a mountain, you know, he went up the mountain to, you know, God is everywhere, but he went up the the mountain because he got better cell service up there, and, you know, he was doing early CrossFit by carrying these stone tablets down the mountain, so that was really funny, you know, I I thought it was great, Uh, and I think that Pete, I do think that I would do well in in that type of a market. I don't get on on that granular of a level, but um but I do think that there is a lot of uh I think I, I there's a lot of things that Pete Holmes does in that show that I see myself in. You know, like there's a, I feel like a lot of comedians in New York don't get me sadly and and I'm it's kind of frustrating, you know. Um you know, I, I try to be a nice guy, and I think some of... I, can, I, I feel like some of them are like, why is Mike... They don't think that my niceness is coming from an authentic place because I don't think that they think it's possible that it's real, you know? But it really is coming from my heart, and I think it's similar to kind of... that. I think it's the Midwest genuine culture and my mom raising me to be a nice person, you know? My mom being from the Philippines, and yeah, I think... Uh, being a nice guy is, has not been, it's not It's not moving my career forward at, at exponential rates, let, let's put it that way. In fact, I was telling one of my friends recently about somebody having success in the scene and, you know, being a little kind of, temporarily I was just a little like, not fully discouraged, but just slightly discouraged, you know, because I feel like this person that's having success it hasn't been nice to me over the years and we've known each other uh... and i've always felt like this person resented me and i've always been nice and you know this person's having a little bit of success and uh... my friends like well why don't you try to be more of an asshole then you know like it's maybe you're too nice and it's it's hurting you I was like no I, i can't you know that's not who i am i'm not going to change who i am to be successful you know what i mean like I'm going to follow Ray Romano's advice that was in Crashing. He said, Pete, if I could give you any advice, just be yourself, be funny, and if it's meant to be, it'll happen. And that's the that's the way that I like to... to I think that's really good advice, and I hope that's true because that's the, the way I do it and that, that I'm kind of putting my faith in that, putting my faith in... I shouldn't have to be any different than the person I was raised to be. I shouldn't have to change to be successful and get, you know, some of the limelight on me that that's not fair. And that's not the type of fame that I would want. Anyway, I don't want to be famous for not being who I am. I don't want to be famous and then try to reveal who I am later. I'd rather reveal who I am up front and be famous for, for things that are real, things that are authentic, you know? Um, so yeah. Um, it's funny because in, if you guys have seen that new episode with Pete Holmes, he, uh, his girlfriend, after he auditions for the Comedy Cellar, which I haven't done, uh, and he doesn't get passed, his girlfriend's like, you need to face your fear, let's go there. So she takes him to the show. They go in against Pete's will. You know, He's kind of pussy whipped, to be honest, uh, in this situation. He, he likes her a lot, and he's a little bit like, He's not, he doesn't really stand his ground as much because he doesn't want to say no to this girl that he really likes. So she somehow like forces him to go in the comedy cellar against his will. He, he willingly does it. He's wearing a fedora in there. And uh, he's sitting in the same two seats that me and my girlfriend sat in when we went to the comedy cellar and paid money to see a show. And all the comedians were making fun of him. He's like, You're, are you paying to see comedy here right now? So, like, they were, like, roasting him. David saw and just had a, a roast on his hat on dissecting their relationship. Like, just picked him apart and just, it was, like, hum- humiliating. Uh, nobody did that to me um, when I was there. Uh, but we did sit in those two seats and my girlfriend was kind of, like, having the same attitude as him. Like, she wanted to go out and talk to, to Michael Che after he got off stage because she was going to try to help me. But... I was like, I don't want you to go talk to Michael Che, like, <laughs> you know, nevertheless, it, it, I saw I saw a lot of similarities, you know, in that way of kind of like, we sat in the very two same seats, I'm a comedian paying to see a show at the Comedy Cellar, one of my friends was performing that night, of course I missed it because I chased her out when she went to chase Michael Che, um, Usama Sadiqe was getting on stage, um, but... You know, nevertheless, uh, it, was, it was fun. So, um, speaking of crashing, Artie Lang has been struggling with drugs lately. I don't know if you guys have seen the latest. It's really sad. It was really an honor getting to perform with him on the same show a couple weeks back at the Broadway Comedy Club at Sheba Mason's show. It was really cool to say hi to him. He was nice. He gave me a warm vibe. I hope he uh, can overcome this. There's a lot of people that support him. I'm seeing the, the social media... You know, people are encouraging him to try and battle this addiction. Uh, as some people might say, he's, he's he's battling demons right now, you know, and I hope he can push through this. God bless the guy, you know. I think he's got a good heart, and a lot of people really love him. So I just hope he can beat this uh, this addiction that he has. It, it's been pretty bad. You know, it's, it's causing a, you know, his, his nose is physically changing shape. I guess, I, I didn't know that can even happen. I don't know if it's from cocaine or what, but, you know, I've got him in my prayers. Um, I'd say as far as the latest going on in the comedy world, that's that's the most part what I wanted to say. Um, the last 20 minutes, I'll, I'll just say say that uh, if you guys haven't checked us out yet, check out the Midwest Sketch Bandits. We released a Super Bowl sketch this weekend before the Super Bowl. It's called the 4K Super Bowl sketch. Uh, It was a lot of fun making that. I told you guys about that. So we were able to get that edited. Ben Mead did a great job. You know, our film film master, guru, and editor. Um, We've got more coming your way. Probably set up a day to meet again this week and get some more sketches made. Um, Today, for the rest of the day, I'm going to be working my ass off on... On comedy you know reaching out to, to agents reaching out to casting directors reaching out to um, managers right uh, I am getting ready for NACA I'm going to be reaching out to colleges uh, my girlfriend is going to start working for me again this time I'm going to pay her right last time she was she did all the work pro bono out of the kindness of her heart and you know uh, took a break afterwards and you know Decided, I think that uh, it'd be good to to pay her uh, moving forward, you know, because she's putting in work, and I think that's fair. She thinks that's fair, you know. Everything we've done up to this point, we both agreed is fair. Um, but uh, I'm gonna have my first employee, and she's gonna help me with some marketing. I'm gonna start marketing to the corporate market. Uh, I think uh, if you guys, if you guys are in you know, part of either college or you have a job and you want to hire me, I'm going to be doing, uh, doing these markets, right? You know, obviously, uh, the corporate market is, is, is perfect for me having had the startup experience that working for a company that became ultra successful. Um, it's the reason I live down where I do right now. Uh, you know, been, I was blessed enough to work with, the. Uh, ton of really smart people and we made it happen right so I'm not a millionaire uh, but I've been fortunate enough to uh, improve my own circumstances because of some of the financial success that we've had Um, I certainly can't retire but I can use this as an opportunity to to give myself the platform that I am working from and and pursuing these dreams I am going all-in on my dreams uh, of comedy at this point in life and I think being able to give back to uh, people in, in these types of markets I think uh, is, is very niche for me I believe in myself and I do believe that other people believe in me uh, my my comedy manager uh, believes that the corporate market will be uh, one of the markets that I, I really do well in so uh, we are working on some marketing and if you need to you know if you if you work for a company where there's uh, events every once in a while or a yearly deal where you guys uh hire entertainers you know i'd love to come in and do 30 minutes or an hour of corporate humor in fact my manager is calling me right now i'm going to decline it because i'm talking with you guys um nevertheless what else um What else, guys? Uh, I'm horny. My truck stinks. This butt stinks. My my butt stinks. This truck stinks, and I'm tired of it. Uh, something my dad and I used to say to each other as a joke growing up. You guys won't get it. That's fine. Um, but with that said, Tuesday I'm doing background work. I got part of Central Casting now, so that's official uh, I, I didn't get this background work through central casting, but I think uh, have you heard of the show The Blacklist? I'm doing some stuff with them tomorrow, which is Tuesday. I got another opportunity on Wednesday for a different show to do some background work. Hey, you know what? For a long time, I I, I didn't do background work because I I thought I was better than that. But one of the things that I've learned over the years is I've 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 really been humbled. I guess you know I I didn't achieve the amount of success I was aiming for you know, I'm 32 now, you know, there's a lot of guys that have achieved more success than me in the comedy world, and they're younger, but I've learned a lot of things, and hopefully humility has been one of the things that's been strengthened over the years, and, you know, I, I feel like there's, the people that are super successful, you know, the Brad Pitt's, the Dave Chappelle's, regardless of whether they're comedy or acting or what, like, I don't think they think they're too good for anything, you know what I mean, like, so... If I'm going to be able to make some money and, and meet people and get on set at, on some cool shows and some cool movie places doing background work, then make it happen. It's an opportunity to become part of SAG after as well, which is really a, a big goal of mine for 2019. You do enough background work with the right with the right opportunities, and you can get your SAG card through it, and then you can make even more money doing background work. So I'm going to utilize this opportunity with Central Casting. I'm really excited about that. Um, that it's that it's official now. And uh, yeah, so uh, Tuesday night, we're going to see Seth Myers. We got tickets, me and my girlfriend. I was able to get two tickets for us to see Seth Myers on Tuesday. Uh, next Monday night's my dad's birthday, February 11th. Uh, next Monday, I should say. And we got two tickets to Good Morning America. So I'm going to make a sign that says, Happy Birthday, Dad. That's my goal. Make a sign and hold that up. Um, at Good Morning America. And when the camera flashes on me, my girlfriend's going to hold up a sign and it says, follow this guy on Twitter at the droid. <laughs> so um, I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, I think that'll be a fun birthday present for my dad. Uh, I invited him to come out at short notice, but it'll be cool to uh, you know, be part of Good Morning America. Maybe I'll get to meet Michael Strahan and do, his, do my impression of him for him. My impression of him 15 years ago when the Giants were in the Super Bowl and they said, Michael, what does today mean to you? And his answer was, today we have like two trains on a track, and one of them trains got to get off that track. That was a verbatim statement made by him, and I'd love to be able to do that impression for him, you know. I think Michael Strahan's awesome. But, uh, yeah, so I wanted to say that I don't know if you guys can tell, but I feel like, I'm continuing to gain more traction. I just wanted to thank all of you who support me. Um, you can never do anything great alone, and I, I am striving for greatness. I am striving for greatness. I am striving for continued growth forward. I also encourage everybody who has any kind of a dream, whether it's to start a family, whether it's to have your own house, whether it's to just you know be employed and, and have a steady job, or whether it's to play in the NFL, or a professional comedian or be an astronaut, whatever it is, I encourage that. And I think that to be great at whatever it is that you want to do, to be a great dad, to be a great comedian, to be whatever it is, um, you can't do it alone. And I have to stop and, and look back every once in a while and, and realize that I've I've achieved a lot of things in life. I, I really have. And I'm, I'm so thankful. I'm humbled. And I could never have done that, those things alone. Yeah, I've worked my ass off. But I've also had a great platform and a supportive platform. You know, my parents gave me the opportunity and supported me to, to pursue the things that I always wanted to do. I played sports because they supported it. They allowed it. They, My dad was at every single football game, I think, that I ever played, um, videotaping most of them. Uh, anytime I asked him to, he would as well. Uh, you know, and and just my friends and you know, I got people that I run my jokes by. You know, so many of my friends that are that are there for me when I'm feeling down or discouraged. And you know, you may see if you're if you're inspired or following my journey, or maybe you're a hater. Maybe you don't think I've achieved anything. Maybe you think that I I don't know what you think. I can't speak for you, but if if there is anything that I can say, I feel that I've I've achieved things. I I want to achieve a lot more. But I wouldn't have been able to get to the place that I have been without those. And some of you are probably listening right now that have helped me. You know, the Caleb Medleys, um, you know, my parents, um, my friends, Chris Blackerby, uh, Danny Religert, Jimmy Barriolus, happy birthday, Jimmy. I, I would, so much of my, um, not just my success, but also my passion um I'm able to share these experiences with people like you, Jimbo, um, and it makes it more meaningful and 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 it's more whole to me. So I just I, you can't do it without without the support of others. And I just want to thank all of you for any amount of support that you've given me, and then reflect that back at you. Uh, if I can help, genuinely help, not not just you know like do a random like favor or something like that but if i can genuinely help where it's grounded in something that's realistic and it makes sense for me to help you and it's not me compromising who i am or jeopardizing certain you know like like being disrespectful to certain relationships and i would like to help i want to help people right um but i do encourage you to to pursue your path and um make this whole thing full circle right um You know what's funny is that's not the end of my show. It it may sound like that, but I have more things to talk about. I am going to wrap up here soon, but uh, I did want to take just a moment to say that. Um, Like I told you before, um, I'm in Sketch 301 at UCB. We've got our sketch show this Thursday night at UCB in Hell's Kitchen. Quick shout-out to that. It starts at 6 p.m., uh it's like a 30 minute show I've got one of my sketches in the show I'm excited it's the it's their catfished into friendship bit that's been developed into like a three minute four minute um sketch so it's going to be different than obviously the the film version of it that I start in uh, on social media this is I'm not going to be in any of these sketches I was just a writer for these not just but I was a writer for for that sketch and a part of the the group the uh, you know the class that put on the rest of these sketches with our teacher here um eric Tanyu is his name very smart fella um and then um we've got a you know i'm an improv three i'm an improv advanced study herald from organic scenes some of you probably think that sounds like a foreign language uh, i don't need to explain it it's too hard to explain if you don't know what i'm talking about nevertheless though uh thank goodness we didn't have practice it was canceled during super bowl yesterday but we have a practice group on top of our class now that's emerged that uh people are working really hard on so i'm thankful for you know we met on saturday learned some new things strengthened some some of those improv muscles and from a different angle which i thought was really helpful and then um you know uh, uh, recapping uh you know Dom Leonelli and I went out last Tuesday this is I'm just speaking random these are bullet points that I want to talk about Dom Leonelli and I went out Tuesday night just to kind of hang out in the scene we went to Eastville Comedy Club in Brooklyn it was my first time there and I realized it's actually close by so that's cool um then we we went to this other place called the Soda Bar that was running a show I saw one of my friends who was performing on stage there's really it's really a tight scene right and it's getting easier and easier for me too get more and more connected. I was kind of inspired through the show Crashing to try to get, to branch outside of just doing clubs in the city because there's really an alt scene like in Brooklyn, like a ton of places in these, places that aren't comedy clubs that has genuinely really good comedy and it's more stage time, which is one of the main reasons I moved to New York just to get more stage time, just to get better at comedy. So we went out and explored that, met some people, already got a show booked just from like going and hanging out we are kind of wingmanning it up. Maybe start doing that more like once a week. Who knows, you know, but I thought it was a great thing to to do with Dom. Felt like uh when you got the power of the wingman there, Dom's doing well in the scene, you know? So like we we sync up, we're like uh it's a benefit of friends, right? It's the benefit of having friends as you put your strengths together. Um and then um Yeah. I think that for the most part, that pretty much sums up everything. Is that 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 sums up for for the most part my world? I did want to tell you that uh, it's so funny. Here's a random. Now this is finally that was my world of comedy. This is now my world, and then we'll call it quits. Just a couple things. These are random notes that I took. One is uh, I dreamed that a dude from my childhood was like I was peeing in a urinal. And all of a sudden, like, I saw pee, a different stream of pee, like, come my way. And I guess it, I, somebody peed on me. This kid from my childhood, the other day I dreamed this. And I asked him, I was like, hey, dude, did you just pee on me? He's like, yeah. I was like, did you do it on purpose, right? And, he, and in my dream, he was like, yes. And then I wanted to punch him in the face, right? Like, like that's not okay to, to intentionally pee on somebody. So I, I said, okay. I kind of want to punch you in the face now, but but I, I just want to make sure I, I heard you clearly before I punch you in the face. I just I just want to make sure that I, I, that I heard that clearly. Did, did did you intentionally pee on me? And he, with a shit-eating grin on his face, he said, "Yeah, I, I peed on you on purpose." So I punched him in the face, and then we got in a fight and we were wrestling around. Ryan's not even like that in, in real life. Uh, growing up, he was he was playful, you know. I like Ryan Bresnahan. So shout out that dream Ryan Bresnahan if you're listening. I don't know why I why I happened to dream that of you, but um it is a fact. I hope you're doing well though. Uh Ryan Bresnahan is a friend of Scott Ludhauser's. I think you guys may remember my episode from last year when I had Scott on. That was a, that was a heavily downloaded episode actually. A lot of a lot of people from our, from our childhood I guess like that. Uh, it was the one where we talked about Jeff Steve and how he looks like Braveheart and Coach Steve. But um, before I finish, uh, these are random bullet points. I, I, I just feel compelled to, to do this. This is probably going to be the longest podcast I've ever done. But I'm, fuck it, you know. Um, my girl – so so my dad – my dad and I stayed at this capo, c- castle called Berg Plankenstein several – couple years ago when we went to Austria and Germany it was a castle up in the mountains which I guess I'll have to tell you guys about another time that was a really cool experience maybe I've talked about it before again I I, you know forgive me if I if I have uh another thing my girlfriend and I cleaned up the apartment yesterday it was such a pigsty like we were we got to that point where like you stop giving a fuck so you just like make it even dirtier exponentially I don't know if you guys have ever you know like allowed your place to get so dirty that you reached the point where you're like i don't even care anymore and you just like started throwing trash on the counter i don't know if you guys have ever gotten to that point but we mutually got to that point we were like we cleaned up for our my girlfriend cleaned like 90 percent of it because she was so ambitious i got to give her all the credit and I, I think we both realized we can't allow ourselves to let the place get dirty to where we stopped giving a fuck It's kind of like that thing with working out. Like you don't want to work out so little that you stop giving a fuck, and then you just stop going to the gym. You at least got to go, even like on a bad week, at least go to the gym once or twice just to keep the habit there. Because the the less you do it, the easier it is to do it less. Same thing with comedy. You know, you got to try to stay regular with these things. um, It's that habit that you form. That's more important than the individual parts to it. You don't have to go to the gym and just kill yourself, working out so hard. Sometimes just going and going through the motions is better, to for the overall long-term part because you're strengthening the habit of going. If that makes sense, that's how I feel. There's probably some trainers out there that would, that would say differently, but I don't care. All right, did you play Division One football? Is what I would respond to them. Did you run Division One track? Did you? receive your varsity letter as a freshman uh if not i don't want to hear about your your training philosophy that you read out of a book i'm just kidding that sounds extremely extremely cocky there is a lot of stuff that even i can learn and add to my real life experience as an athlete if i wanted to be a trainer i think that there's a lot that i would still want to read to educate myself you know to be the best trainer that i can be to add those two worlds together the research and the life experience. I think when you add those two things together and you stay current, it's part of the staying successful and on the the edge of the curve, right? Same thing with comedy. That's why I read what's going on. It's why I'm trying to pay pay attention to what's going on in the bigger comedy world, right? That's what you got to do, I think, to, to to reach your potential. You mix you mix the internal with the external, um, and we'll see uh, we'll see if it pans out, right? But um, I will say that the other day. The other night when we were at Caroline's, my girlfriend and I were chilling at the bar and just kind of being friendly. Staffs there is always nice to us. They treated us very well. Um, I'm, I'm very thankful for Caroline's. I've, you know, having been able to perform there a few times, and the fact that they give me love there uh, is is a really it's something that I am thankful for. And uh, when my girlfriend and I were were sitting there, she was having a drink at the bar, and she looked at me and she she said it with with true she it wasn't bullshit i mean i know my chick and she looked at me with with 100 percent confidence and she said you're gonna make it you know And it was one of those things where it's almost like it, it felt so true and real as far as how she felt when she said it that uh it really meant it really meant a lot you know it wasn't like just saying it going through the motions like she really does believe that she can see it happening before her eyes and it makes. It, I'm very thankful for that support it's, it's, it's important to have people you know, to have that love you know, so the last thing I'll say, I'm going to wrap up, is uh, my favorite show on TV right now, my girlfriend makes fun of me for it, but uh, it's the show God Friended Me and um, oh, she's texting me, she, she's saying Michael, this this, uh, this podcast is way too long wrap it up, right? I'm looking at my phone, because these are the points this is my last point that I wanted to make but uh, I watched the entire season. I finally got my girlfriend into it. She always makes fun of me for it. She thinks it's completely unrealistic. Um, but I love the show. I can't help myself. Uh, I found myself watching the Super Bowl secretly like excited that when it ends, I'm going to watch the rest of God friended me the season. I watched two episodes actually last night after the Super Bowl. And it wrapped it all up. And uh, one of the things that... Uh, that was said in that show that I wanted to just quote before I get off is the Reverend. You know, if you guys haven't seen the show, I encourage you to check it out, regardless of your religious beliefs. I think it's a show that atheists can watch, that people that are religious can watch, people that are spiritual, agnostic, whatever it is. I think anybody can watch this and still just think. You know, I don't. It's not like it's not like the target demographic is people that believe in God. You know. And I think that that term, believing in God, is is such a wide concept and what that actually means because, you know, you can be very religious and believe in the God that you, like, were raised um, to believe in. You, you know, there, there's defini- different definitions. There's different re- religions. I think I've expressed to you my feeling on it enough times for you guys to understand. But uh, the reverend's definition... Or at least his uh, one of his lenses that he talked about that really stuck with me is he said that his wife before she passed away, you know the main character's mom, right? He said that she once said that anything that makes you smile is God, and he said I, I don't think I've ever um, heard a better definition for her. you know. And and in my honest opinion, I I think that's that's awesome. I, I love that anything that makes you smile is God. Um so uh you know when I, when I make you smile and laugh that means God's living through me baby and vice versa when you make somebody else smile he's living through you uh or she it god whatever you want to call it love is love is there right love is is at the center of that um uh, of what creates a genuine smile right i remember that show the young pope right recently with jude law a couple of years ago I really liked that show and in the last season not to be a spoiler but he said God smiles smile right um and uh I think that that is uh that's a great way to end it I think laughing laughter is is a part of that right you can't you can't laugh and not smile right I think laughter is is actually I think I think laughter is like more than a smile right it's kind of like a smile on steroids in a, in a healthy healthy steroids you know like you feel even better when you laugh than you do when you smile but both of them are very powerful and i do think that laughter is intertwined with love and maybe in that way it is i've i've never been able to fully define why or how even though i i do believe it but um yeah so um yeah i i made a joke to my girlfriend i was like you know, I'm like the millennial po- prophet, you know, like Miles in that show. She's like, oh, my gosh, that's the most ridiculous thing you've ever said uh, or something of that nature. I was like, okay, okay, do comedy, ill healer, right? I do comedy. When you rearrange the letters of my name, you get do comedy, ill healer. So I do have a podcast like Miles. I can't call myself the millennial prophet. Otherwise, I'd be plagiarizing, and people will want to kick me off Instagram like fuck Jerry. But... um you know, I guess my path, my calling is, is at this point in life is to uh, try and create as much laughter as I can, to try and create as many smiles as I can. Um, So that's it guys. I'm exhausted from this podcast. I'm, I don't know if you're exhausted from listening, but I do feel like I said everything I wanted to say and I felt compelled to make this. I know it's long. I know it's ridiculous and who knows if I'll ever do one this long again, but um, that's what she said. I love you. God bless. Smile, laugh, giggle. And uh, have a great week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. By the way, am I the only one who's horny?